Welcome to Fusion and Hockey Podcast, the only podcast called Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Joined alongside me on February 16th, 2024, is once again, Taisei. Hello. Hello. How's it going? It's good. We're back. Good to be back. Yep. Yeah. We're killing it. Yeah. Doing well. How was your week? It was good. You know, things ramping up. It's a busy time of year. I feel like it's always, it's never not bi- a busy time. Yeah, I guess so. Eh? That's life now, huh? Yeah, for everyone. Everyone's yeah. always busy Everyone's all the time. Everyone's always busy. Um, but yeah, it's uh Except for, for philosophers. Yeah, that was, that was our bit we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Man, they just really fucking sit around and think. Yeah. I was just, I was telling Taisei about uh, a test I had the other day in my class called Problems of Philosophy, which is an extremely waste of time class, just generally speaking. Um, and talking about this guy Bertrand Russell, who seems like among the the more well-adjusted philosophers of the relatively contemporary period. And basically he said, or at least one thing I've studied is that he said uh, that he is justified in making assumptions about other people's minds based on their behaviors, which I would completely agree with. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, this is an extremely contentious claim, and the vast majority of the philosophers that we've studied so far saying things like, oh, there's there's no way to have knowledge. No one is justified in actually knowing anything because it might all be a dream and or we can never trust our senses because sometimes they're wrong, etc. Find a real job. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, become a podcaster. <laughs> but don't talk about philosophy. Yeah, talk about anything. Talk about the, the, yeah. Find a hobby and talk about it. Uh-huh. All right, that isn't fucking sitting around and thinking. Because, um, yeah. No, Bertrand Russell lived to the age of 97, is what we found. Yeah, well, what you found by researching. Yeah, we I googled it, and that's what it told me, and it's like, you know, well, makes sense. He didn't do shit other than sit around and think, apparently. You know, so. I'm pretty sure that's why Conor McDavid chose number 97, was to honor Bertrand Russell's dying age. <laughs> it's a well-known fact. <laughs> yeah. He, too, Conor McDavid, loves to make assumptions about other people based on how their actions are, you know? Yeah, I mean, he can, he can you know, make assumptions about which way a, a defenseman's going to move. Based on their behaviors. Just and it works. Up. Fucking works. Yeah. So I vindicated Bertrand Russell. <laughs> did you see he had six assists the other night against the Red Wings? Yeah, oh, yeah. I did see that stat. Pretty nuts. Yeah, he's now, uh, after his abysmal start by his standards, third in league scoring. Oh, my God. 80 points. Who's first and second? I think it's Kucherov about like 91 and McKinnon at 88 or something. Oh, okay. Do you think McDavid catches up, maybe passes them? Yeah, I'd, I'd, if I had to guess. I'd say, what's the gap right now between McDavid and Kucherov? Like about 10 points. And we have like 20, 30 games left? Yeah. I think he makes it up. Yeah. He's reaching single mode, you know? He is. For he as is. good as Kucherov is, he doesn't do six assists. Yeah, he doesn't do six assists. In a, I saw a really interesting, actually, I read about half of an athletic article about Kucherov that came out this week that was yeah. super cool. Because among the best of the best top players in the league, he really does get talked about the least. Mm. Yeah. And it's... I mean, I wonder, what, like, compared to, like, you know, McDavid's kind of in the league by his own, at least in terms of general perception. Sure. And then the tier below, that includes McKinnon, Matthews, Makar, Kucherov, Pasternak. And Dreisaitl. Yeah, I guess and yeah. Dreisaitl. I guess those are the kind of the six. Right. That yeah. are really kind of, you know, mm-hmm. established themselves. And Kucherov really gets, you know, not so much of the, the light on him. And I wonder exactly why. And I think part of it is, um, well, he wasn't a high draft pick. Right. Um, He took a little while into his career to really achieve superstar mode. And also the fact that because of that, 
on the Lightning, he was always thought of as like just kind of one of the several superstars, you know, among Stamkos and Point and Hedman. When the fact of the matter is, he really does stand out head and shoulders among the rest of them. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder. I, I get the, from my impression, I get the feeling that the he had like a discussion peak when the Lightning were winning the cup. And obviously, it's natural to talk about guys like him when they're when they're winning so much. And it really feels like you know the discussion around Kucherov has really taken a big dip over the last like two three years. I don't know. I don't know what's behind that. But like you know, we see like I feel like we talk now about McKinnon more than ever, right? Mm-hmm. Or you know McDavid, um, or even you know Drysdale more or less in the last two years. Whereas whereas Kucherov, it's like you know everyone was talking about him how 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 essentially he was to the Lightning, and then ever since. We've had no, no one's really talking about it. But was that him. really? I feel like even during, like, because he won the Hart Trophy, I think, like, 2019. I think that was the year. Okay. And then it was the next year the Lightning won the Cup, and then they went back-to-back again. Uh, or back-to-back, I guess, one time they went back-to-back. Even at the time, I feel like, I mean, there was a lot of talk about the general kind of, wow, this team, so much star power, so much depth. But I feel like Kucherov compared to, like, I don't know, like McKinnon and Makar on the Colorado Cup run didn't really get like the the icon treatment. Yeah, I see it. I think no, I think I think your 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 guess on the on the draft pick maybe having an effect. Another thing that was mentioned in that yeah. specific article also was he doesn't have like one particular calling card skill set. Mm. Like Matthews, of course, and Pasternak have the shot, and McDavid is faster than everyone. Right. And McKinnon is, you know, kind of out of his mind. But like a tank. Yeah. Yeah. We'll run and Kucherov's just kind of super smart, and a lot of times yeah. that's less flashy. Yeah. Like, you don't really see him on the highlight reel so much, that's and true, yet right? he's got 90 points. Yeah. Super under the radar. Interesting conversation. Yeah. 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 Unforeseen. Oh, for sure. Um, I hope McKinnon win, wins the heart, though. Yeah. He doesn't have one. That's true. You you you're a legacy guy. I'm taking the legacy oh boy, route this year. The legacy route this year. I'm pulling a, a first for you. I'm know? pulling a Drew Doughty in 2016 mode. Well, the thing is, when it's close, I, I'll because uh, between like McKinnon, McDavid, and Kucherov, it could mm-hmm. end up being super close. Right. I'll give it to the guy who it would be a, a real shame if he retired without one. Sure, I can see it. I can see the argument. It's not like Doughty where he wasn't the best guy. If it's close, decisively, yeah. you can give. You know, honestly, the edge to the narrative. I'm surprised that. Austin Matthews on a, a 71 goal pace is not getting more heart buzz. That's insane oh, to me. Yeah. I guess if he keeps it up, maybe the conversation ramps up. You it know? should, even though he's, you know, he's only like 10th in points because he doesn't have many assists right. comparatively. But he could... But 71 is insane. Yeah, he's like... his a goal pace. Fuck. Yeah, he's maintained that pace all year very consistently. No one has... Got more than 65 in the cap era. Right. Who was the last one who had set? Was it like Yager? Did Yager even ever hit 70? Was it was it Lemieux? Let's see. I have no idea. Did Steve Eisman get 70 one year? Brett Hull maybe? Who? But yeah, look, this is the type of thing we're talking about. These, Matthews is well on his way to to a goal-scoring accomplishment that Alex Ovechkin, the greatest goal scorer of all time, never accomplished. Yeah, let me... Let's see, who is the last player to score, to score 70, 70 goals? goals. This, this article should tell me. Okay. I think it's, yeah, McGilney? Yeah. 93? 93. Yeah, with 76 goals. Wow. I think that's what I'm seeing. Brett Hull never got in, like, the late 90s? or uh, Hull got in the early 90s. Okay. 
You know, you got it three straight seasons. 90 to 92. Solani had it in 93. Okay, so it has been 31 years. Jeez. Matthews was never alive for, <laughs> for this accomplishment. Oh, wow. He's up 45 in 52 games now, I think. He just got like a hat trick last night. So. He did, yeah. yeah. That's nuts. Against Samuel Erson. Yeah, I wonder who has him in fantasy. That'd be I wonder who real, just picked him up, yeah. It'd be a real bummer. Yeah, know? it would be. He's kind of if a shitty goalie, isn't he? Yeah, well. Not to, not to speak ill of Samuel Erson, but I'll do it. <laughs> not to speak ill, but <laughs> to speak ill. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, so, yeah, there's... there's who goes on your heart ballot right now if you're feeling it out? Me? Yeah. Um, I'll put McDavid up there, number one. Yeah? Yeah. I feel like, well, you know, it's my most valuable player. And if we, if he deserves to to win it every year, I'd give it to him every year. And I think he's, he's a he's had he's a better player this year than, um, McKinnon or, yeah, you know, or, or Kucherov. I think he's more valuable to the team than either of those guys. Yeah, so I think I think you give it to him. That's for me. The answer is simple. That's my philosophy. Yeah, and I think you might be a little clouded by recency bias. If, you're, yep. if we're trying to take starting in October up to now into account, I think. There's a stronger argument that Nathan McKinnon has had the better overall year. Based on consistency. And Kucherov even as well. And especially I think Kucherov has a a good case because of the fact that the Lightning started kind of bad and really struggled to get into the playoffs. And there's kind of the Kucherov dragged them in narrative. Sure. They, They do love a good, like, you know, playoff squeaker. Yeah, that's the one reason Taylor Hall won that one time. Yeah, exactly. So... You know he's got he's got he's got that going for him, McDavid's McDavid, and uh, yeah McKinnon's McKinnon's Mr. Legacy Man this year, potentially. I I wouldn't be able to stomach leaving Matthews off my top three though if he gets seventy goals. So who would be so presuming he hits the seventy? Fuck right. Who's your three based on performance right now? You know, maybe it's McKinnon, Matthews, Kucherov. I might be leaving McDavid wow. off of it. That's criminal. I don't, he's That's got 30 more games to, to blow by everyone else and make yeah. it undeniable, but... Yeah, sorry. That's not crazy, though. What am I saying? Yeah. It's all... It's very... It's a mix right now, you know? Yeah, like really. He was having a relative down year, to begin, at least. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, you know who else might belong on the ballot based on this week? Matt Duchesne. <laughs> There's a segue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It was Stars Week. Yeah. Looking good. Looking good. So, they played three games. Um, I guess we'll go through the games. Ask me how I'm feeling about my cup pick. How are you feeling about your cup pick? So good. Yeah? Even uh, better than before. Wow. Yeah, because we hadn't really talked about them all year, right? And this is the reason yeah. why we, we came to talk about the Stars this week. Check up on your cup. Mine was Carolina, wasn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. I was about to pick Carolina, but I wanted us to have different ones. Okay. So, you know, I I did Dallas. Looks good. Absolutely looks good. Looks good. I mean, we'll, one yeah. of those teams beat the other one this week. Yeah, so. I know. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll get into why. So let's let's get into it. Hab stars first game of the week, um, yeah. Super Bowl Saturday game wasn't was that, it? Was this, yeah, it was the Saturday. So you know everyone's favorite lead up to the Super Bowl, to to the. Oh, do, any thoughts on that Super Bowl by the way? Before we get started on the. Oh, I didn't watch it at all. Sure. I heard I heard that the Forty ers didn't know the overtime rules, and that is why they lost. Okay, I wouldn't say maybe that's not why they lost, but it's a bad look in a game that you lost in overtime. Well, then, so what? So what happened in the overtime? They they decided to keep the ball when they shouldn't have. Perhaps, yeah. And then they what did they score a field goal, and then the Chiefs scored a touchdown, and that was it. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I would say it, it's fair to say that's the reason that they lost because even if they the ball went to the Chiefs and the Chiefs scored a touchdown, then mm-hmm. all of a sudden as the 49 you know, I guess we have to score a touchdown too, right? Right. Well, that's, that's the debate going on, you know, yeah. because there are, there are advantages to going first. Namely, you get the third possession if it's tied after two possessions. And at that point, it's next score wins. Oh, actually? Yeah. Okay. So that, that was the tweak. Before it was if you scored a touchdown, you know, the second team doesn't get the ball. Yeah, I know they changed. Yeah, that never right. made any sense. Yeah, it never made any sense. But they, so they changed it just for the playoffs. And, and so with the Swiss, I feel like it's, I like the rule change, first of all. I like to say that. Um, it makes it even. And so it feels like each team has its own sort of advantage, you know. Second team knows what the first team did, but first team, if it's tied after two possessions, you know, they get first shot at winning it. They should just do, like, basketball an allotted amount of time at the end of which the winner's the winner. Mm. For football, I think that makes way more sense. Yeah? Yeah. Why's that? Rather than this, because it's like, it's like imagine an extra innings for baseball if it was, like, top of the inning, oh, if you score, like, you know, well, I guess that. Okay, here's, I guess, to make a more, a better example, like, uh, top of the inning, we score one run, bottom of the inning, the other team scores two runs, now we get to hit again, and if we score two runs, we win. That's what that is. Right. You know? Sure. Okay. I I can see the argument for it, you know, a clock-based overtime. I think the, the, the bit is the NFL wants to get it done in an expedition fashion, you know, the overtime. As like they want to do it, do it fast. Yeah, because they want to minimize. Just give them six minutes. Player injuries. Make it short. Mm. But that's the thing. Like six minutes is almost too short because you know a full drive can take. Fucking six minutes. seven minutes. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I I saw people arguing for the clock based system after this. I think it makes sense. It's not crazy. Based on my football knowledge. But yeah. Regardless, the 49ers didn't know the rules. so Yeah, that's the thing. That's the embarrassing. Yeah, it is and embarrassing. And I guess the Chiefs had like a bunch of team meetings about yeah, it, exactly. reviewing the. Yeah, they so were, they one were, like, of, celebrating and shit when the when the Forty ers said we're gonna take the ball first. Yeah, yeah. You see, that's a team that's prepared, sure. it's professional, yeah, and knows Locked what it's up. doing. That has a plan. Versus Mickey Mouse Bush League Forty ers over here. That's right. But yeah, it was, it was a good game. Um, Chiefs came back. Second half comeback. You know they were losing. Yeah, I heard it was like good. Shit. It was good. You know, like punt one off some guy's foot. You know, lucky bounces and whatnot. It was exciting. It was good. Cool. Shout out to the Super Bowl. Not nearly as exciting as Dallas Stars' 3-2 win over the Montreal Canadiens. That's correct. Um, so, yeah, Nick Suzuki opened up the scoring. Um, he gets behind uh, Thomas Harley as the Habs clear the zone. It was was it uh, was it Caulfield that dumped the puck from Yeah, Caulfield with, zone an, zone? with an, a brilliant bang pass. Yeah, off the boards, yeah. ends up, and he ends up behind Thomas Harley all alone. Very nice. Um, and Thomas Harley kind of makes up for that defensive miscue by scoring a goal of his own. Um, Do you know how many goals Thomas Harley has? No. But I hear he's he's their goal-scoring defenseman, I remember Tom, hearing. Yeah, Thomas Harley is third in the league in goals by a defenseman, oh, or tied for third with Kiel McCarr, <laughs> behind Mackenzie Wieger and Rasmus Dahlin. He has 13 goals this year. Wow. Look at him go. Really looking at I mean, Thomas Harley, he was kind of... I was kind of banging his drum for a little while. I don't know if you remember. I was like, give a shot to Harley. Now he's... This year, on the top pair with Heiskanen, he's killing it offensively alongside Heiskanen. Yeah. And he's a legit top four defenseman. Good for him. I remember in um, Caulfield's draft year, yeah. assuming Caulfield would not be available, he was the one I was like, I hope they take Thomas Harley. Right. Of course, very satisfied with how things ended up. Thomas Harley went a few picks later. 
really working out. He's panning out. Yeah. He's panning out. Um, Dare I say better than Cam York. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, and, yeah, so the Habs were kind of a defensive mess there. As Harley just he joins the he joins the, the rush, and he has lots of time and space to walk in and shoot. Yep. Um, Stars get the second goal shortly after. Sagan from Duchesne. Um, you know, this line looked really good. Lots of production from uh, that, that second line on the Stars. That's Sagan, Duchesne, Marchment. Um, and, uh, yeah, great great setup from Duchesne off the forecheck. Sets up Sagan. Um, and, uh, yeah, the Habs looking just, just looking slow. Yeah. Beat, beat, every single man beat his man. Like, every Stars guy beat his Habs guy defensively. And, uh, you know, Sagan beats out Evans in front of the net pretty cleanly. Um, and then, then Sagan scores again. Uh, I think the the assists were also Duchesne and Marshman, if I remember correctly. Yeah, exact same <laughs> listing. <laughs> Make it three one, um, off a, a a long cycle. You know, Stars were able to pin them in the zone, and Sagan had a pretty easy, you know, tap in backdoor as uh, you know Habs forget to cover him. Um, Slavkovsky made it tight, three two, tight angle. Jake Ottinger kind of loses the puck, um, but that was that was all she wrote as a yeah. best chance to tie it was was fucking Mike Matheson. Yeah, Bobby Floor. Off the, off the, off Did they ever tell that story? The Bobby Floor after we went to that game in October? Uh, I think so. Can't remember. Tell it anyways. Just so the people All know. right, well, basically, well, we saw the Habs Devils game in October where Michael Matheson scored an extremely impressive Bobby Orr esque goal mm-hmm. that brought the crowd to its feet. Uh, and then I think a couple shifts later, he fell on his ass. <laughs> so we called him Bobby Floor. <laughs> so Bobby Floor, off the rush, all, like, all alone on a two on one. But Jake Ottinger. It's a funny nickname. <laughs> <laughs> it is really quite good, huh? Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, good, good shit. Good shit from us. Because um, it's complimentary and insulting at the same exactly. time. Exactly. It's, it's it makes it the work. duality of man. <laughs> exactly. Good and bad. Light <laughs> and dark. Um, but yeah, Ottinger stood tall. Big, big guy. Robbed him. Side to side, good side-to-side motion. Yeah. Um, and he, he bounced it off the post. So, uh, yeah, that's the that's final. 3-2. Solid win. Um, they did suffer an injury, though. Uh, Evgeny Dadanov suffered yes. a lower body fracture. Look, sounds like he's ex- out for an extended period of time. So yeah, uh, this team has been quite healthy up until this point. I th- I don't think they have any really notable injuries yeah, other I mean, than Dadanov now. At this current time, no. Ottinger missed a little time earlier this season. But that's another thing I, I, I took note of, actually. Uh, guess how many skaters have played at least one game for Dallas this year? Skaters. Okay. Yeah, so just not including uh, goalies. Let's say 21. 20. 20. Isn't that insane? You have 18 <laughs> every all year long. Oh, they've, fuck. they've played 13 forwards and 7 defensemen. That's crazy. Uh, all the that de- is insane. All of the defensemen have played, uh, I think I typed this incorrectly. Yeah. Oh, no, maybe not. Maybe they've, they've played 7D quite a bit. I think all defensemen have played at least 43 games. Okay. Um, sure. At least that's what I wrote. It might actually not be accurate. But, like, Joel Hanley's kind of their seventh, and he's played a lot. Uh, and the 13 forwards, Ty, Ty Delandria has, has only played 25 of them. The rest of them have all played at least 46. Wow. So extremely consistent, you know, personnel. Yeah. A lot of great injury luck. Hyper healthy. Yeah, freakishly so. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> to be at this point in the season, I've addressed 24, 20 skaters. Yeah, and I was thinking, like, does this worry me a bit? Like, if they do run into injury trouble, like, are, are they playing at their absolute peak right now? And I say, I don't think so. Because, first of all, they do have a few players playing not quite up to potential, including Jason Robertson, I think. 
Um, and they do have some kind of, like, you know, Tyler Sagan, maybe you would say he's overachieving, I don't know. But anyway, I'm not too worried about it, in particular because they have two excellent young forwards kicking ass in the AHL, Logan Stankoven and Maverick Bork, who I have raved about in the past, yeah. who I've, are, I've kind of just been waiting for their opportunity. And in a normal year with normal injury luck, there's no way they wouldn't have gotten a, a call-up yet. I think they're leading one two in AHL scoring, right? Those two guys. If I yeah, I think I saw that correctly. Yeah, yeah I, I just took a look at their numbers and it looked very good, so that that wouldn't surprise me. So yeah, I think Dallas, even if they do run into some injuries down the stretch, are still in super good shape. Yeah, I think especially the forwards. You know, if yeah, I, to get into the broader outlook, I'm kind of concerned about this defense. This defense still worries me. What As what aspect pers- of it? Personnel, bottom four wise. Okay, okay. You know, Let's talk. So sure. The Thomas Harley Miro Haskinen top pairing, excellent. No I think. notes. Looks yeah, great. Looks no, great. Top pairing, bona fide. Essel Lindell is my number three. I'm really happy with that too. Are we? Defensive, okay. defensively proficient. He's the best of the bunch. Yeah. Of the the rest. Yeah. You know? Sure. To have Ryan Suter on my bottom pairing is okay. Doesn't look good. He doesn't look good even on the third pairing. I'm like, ooh, Ryan Suter needs to be better. <laughs> And maybe he can't because he's at this stage in his career, you know? Yeah, I mean, not ideal. No. Not ideal. Not ideal. But I can I can live with him as my, like, number six. Sure. Niels Lundqvist had one really cool-looking play. <laughs> yeah. And Yanni Hockenpuss there, too. <laughs> These are words. No, These but statements. actually, no, I will, I will concur, like, I'm looking at oh, what should Dallas do at the deadline. We talked about Chris Tanev last week. Yeah, here's another. It was per- perfect fit in Edmonton. Perfect another, fit in Dallas, too. Really slide him next to Essel Lindell. Sure. That's one of the best like pure shutdown pairings in the league. You kidding me? Yeah. That really that really rounds out your top four. Because, um, you know, fucking Hakupa has not been good either, you know, on on that second pairing. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> <laughs> he's been downright. Him and Suter have been among the worst defensemen on this team. And, and you know, they, they, <laughs> among the worst on this team, <laughs> those two guys. <laughs> <laughs> They've been the worst. Um, and, and so, you know, defensive liability, right? So that's that's the region of, of significant improvement needed, if possible. Um, and, and maybe their forwards can carry them. Maybe Jake Gunter can bail them out, right? But if I'm looking at a glaring hole, how I'm potentially improving myself at the deadline, I, you you already have two like enough forwards right more than enough forwards at this point. Yeah, you got two guys just waiting in the wings uh, in the AHL. And maybe you bring in a couple more fifth liners. Sure. You know for depth, I guess. Yeah, exactly. They have a, they have a good fourth line. You know, Craig Smith. Fifth liners, I'm saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. You know, like what I if guess. Logan Stankoven isn't up to the 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 playoff atmosphere? Okay. You know. Yeah, fair enough. You know how they think. Yeah. Who who's their fifth liner right now? Besides those two, let's see. Man, I don't know. It's like they, 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 it's they like had... Oscar Back or like Frederick Karlstrom. They haven't had to use them at all. Yeah, exactly. Remarkably. I mean, when they're fully healthy, it's Tidalandria. Right. And maybe Dadanov now after Landria, you know, impresses during this time. So they've already have like a good fifth line theoretically, you know, like Dadanov, Stankov, and Bork. You know? Yeah. Is there a center in there? Stankov and Bork are both centers. Okay. So you know, you, you can, can make that work. work. Um, let's see. Anyone else? Okay. No, no one. Any no interesting names in the in the death chart? Eh, not not really. Okay. Not a forward at least. Um, or really a defense. So <laughs> yeah. Unless you want Gavin Bayreuther, noted. Hey, Gavin Bayreuther. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, so, I think so. I mean, on this Montreal game also, 
I mean, Duchesne really stood out to me as a bright spot, obviously. Yeah. Made two really nice setups to Sagan. Nice to see Tyler Sagan kind of. I think he's on pace for his best season in like five years. Mm-hmm. Nice to counteract Jamie Ben's plummet. Right. Um, but, but Matt Duchesne, I really think, and we called this when he signed over the summer, it's really the perfect situation for him. That he's not, he's not on his big deal anymore. No pressure to be a number one center, which everywhere in his career up to this point, that's kind of been the expectation. Right. Is that it's like, oh, you kind of look like you could maybe be a number one center. Do it. Like in Ottawa, then in Columbus, then in Nashville. And he just can't. Now the fact that he's kind of like, a, well, he's decisively behind Rupe Hints, kind of more or less of equal importance in the lineup with Wyatt Johnston. Yeah. And, you know, he's got, you know, really good mix with Tyler Sagan, another pretty decent skill player on his line. Mason Marchman, the grinder. It's really working together. Pressure's kind of, you know, off of him. And he's he's thriving. Yeah. Working, working the real middle six center role, right? 2A, 2B. Kind of, inter- like you said, interchangeable with Wyatt Johnson. Um, that that line is really clicking, right? Yeah. So, they, they, you know, you don't get the strength of competition that first line gets. And they're kind of able to feast on that. And I think all, all week... This was, you know, the first line was a bit quieter than I expected, honestly, um, with, with Hinson and, like you said, Robertson in particular. Um, but it was really that second line that carried a lot of the offensive load. Yeah. And I got to say also, I feel like I've mentioned before, there's no more beautiful jersey combination in the league than when Montreal plays Dallas. Mm. The the red and blue versus the green. They complement each other. Not good for the colorblind, I got to say. <laughs> well... Top Sorry, look. <laughs> tough look for that crowd. Uh, yeah, well, well, I mean, but, it is like darks and whites, you know, but yeah, but the red and the green together. I mean, if they nice when they play, they should really both wear their color jerseys. The homes, yeah. Oh, that'd be that'd be sick. That'd be sick. That'd be sick. Mm-hmm. Probably get some complaints though. Like I said, from, from who? The from the colorblind. That's who. Okay. When the red and the green together? Are you kidding me? That's a joke. Here's the other. Well, the other way you can tell. One team's going this way. The other team's going that way. Yeah. Right. I, think I think we should put everyone in white jerseys and have you watch the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to see. Maybe you'll uh-huh. grow some Speaking of Montreal, also, I feel like it's worth pointing out that Yuri Slavkovsky is killing it lately. Yeah. Is that a little point streak? I think seven, eight game points. Se- yeah. Yeah, I mean, credit to Martin St. Louis, that top line, Suzuki, Slavkovsky, and Caulfield, you know, put them together a couple months ago, kept them together through the thick and thin, and now all of a sudden, they're they're absolutely tearing it up for the past two weeks. And they are the only, well, including Sam Montembeau, those are the four bright spots on the team, and the rest is dark spots, which is Bobby why the... Floor. What about Bobby Floor? Sure, Bobby Floor. Throw him in Moderately there. light. Yeah. Caden Gooley, moderately light. Sure. The rest of the team, though, is just continues to be terrible, despite yeah. the, the marked excellence of those three now. Yeah. Testament to the player development. Yeah. Of uh, San Luis. You know, it doesn't really... The bottom of the lineup at this point, the way it's constructed, the roster, doesn't doesn't matter so much. That's true. They're, you know, I mean, ideally, they're not playing like dog shit, the entire roster. Ideally. But what's most important at this stage in the rebuild is your, your, your core, the guys you want as your core to develop as if, you know, to play like core guys or at least look like they're on that trajectory somewhat. Yeah. Um, and it looks like, you know, at least recently, they've been really hot. And, mm-hmm. and it's good to see Slavkovsky, you know, after a somewhat underwhelming rookie season. Yeah. And to pick it up. The Slavkovsky one is particularly... Uh, inspiring, I guess, because he's still so young. Yeah. He's like, I think he like just turned twenty, right? Right. Sound about right. Uh, and you know, this rookie season, you know, starts kind of bad, injured for half the year, sets him back. This year, kind of, you know, and of course, already as they're talking about, oh, he's the bust. We were saying, I still stand by the fact that Logan Cooley is the preferred asset to have. Yeah. Um, still today. 
Yeah, I, I yeah. do. Even though Slavkovsky has been better over the past three weeks, sure. but I gotta say it is generally very good pointing towards now that he's had uh, stability with two really good line mates uh, for you know for months at a time at this point that that he's starting to to figure it out and really kind of start to blossom. Yeah, I think it's something I'm starting to appreciate more. Um, is is just how important that landing spot. Yeah, is for the player, right? That kind of situation. Um, and you know, landing spot with respect to you know, can you get the playing time? Can you get the coach will put you in a good situation, right? And who won't? We've seen time and time again with different teams, and especially the bad development teams, um, who will just throw a guy into the lineup and then bounce him around, and will ruin his confidence. We'll throw him down to the fourth line at any sign of trouble. Um, and and so you know, maybe you have a player who, you know, you maybe wouldn't like you would prefer they take Cooley or Wright um, at the draft. Um, over Slavkovsky, but with a good development system, he may end up better, right? And that's yeah. not that's not a crazy, that's not a crazy development. I think now you can get into the what ifs of like you know what if what if you had a guy like Cooley, what if you had a guy like Wright land in this development system, you know, where there what seems to be a pretty good environment for for a guy like that. But regardless, um, it seems like it's it's working out. Yeah. Uh huh. I do foresee though that we are gonna get. This second half tear leading to an off season of look out for Montreal next year. You know who's doing that right now? Who? The Senators. Oh god. It's so funny. Wait, auto oh, because they won like seven of their last well, ten now. Last and now again we're on the oh yes. next year's the year train. They're 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 last in the Atlantic. And yet people are, are talking them up. I'm seeing it. They've won seven of the last ten. Oh they're yeah. They started. Ridley slow. Greg's really establishing himself. <laughs> we'll get to that. Shane Pinto's back and he's figured it out. You know, I mean, like Shane Pinto is a fine player, but if Shane Pinto being back is a, a prerequisite for you, <laughs> for you having faith in the team, that's a bad stuff. Right. Absolutely. I was like, oh, you know, they just needed to learn Jacques Martin's system. That's why they look like shit the first ten games he was there. But now that they figured it out. It's a playoff team. Well, no, I haven't seen anyone say it's a playoff team, but it's like you know, watch out for next year, or whatever the fuck. Who was it? I was listening to Puck Soup, and they were talking about some like Blue Jackets writer. Who was recently like, you know, if you take out their like, their like one in thirteen start to this season or whatever it was, they're actually like a five sixteen, which is not great, but at least it shows they're okay. And they were like, that puts them thirteenth in the Eastern Conference instead of sixteenth, a five sixteen. That's right. We'll get to Kekalainen too, but back to the Dallas Stars. But yeah, back to the Dallas Stars. Um, We're getting pretty sidetracked, I guess. Yeah, we are. But it's okay. You know, yeah. It's just the way things are. Stars Hurricanes. Um, you had Kachekov against Ottinger, who played all three games this week. Um, Stars uh, opened the scoring. Rupe Hints um, off the rush. You know, Hurricanes yeah. kind of a mess defensively. They overcommitted to the left side. Um, the fa- He did the Spezza move. He did the, Spezza's signature. The fake shot. Fake slap yeah. shot. Yeah. And then as the pad comes out, his former teammate. What? What's in that? Dallas, didn't they play together oh, for a little while? There maybe. was some crossover. Sure, I, think. I feel like Hints has been long around long enough for that. I have a memory of uh, I'm getting a little sidetracked again. But speaking of this particular move, <laughs> this particular yeah. Jason Spezza move, I remember again. It was a Dallas Montreal game in the 15-16 season. Remember where they started with nine in a row, mm-hmm. and then Price got injured and they fell out of the playoffs. Right. Uh, Dallas, a game in like December. They beat Montreal 6-2, okay. and Spezza scored a goal like this. Sure. And I was watching after because Montreal played in the Winter Classic that year, so there was like the road to the Winter Classic. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be watching an episode, 
and like uh the Habs players like at a hotel eating breakfast or something were watching like the NHL network highlights and it was their game that they had lost to Dallas the night before. Yeah. That Spezza goal comes on and PK Subban goes, Man, that's a sick move. <laughs> He's so good or something like that. <laughs> Spezza is so yeah, I was like, wow, you know? That is and I think the teammates kind of seem pretty annoyed with him. <laughs> that he would just, but that's just who PK is, you know. Yeah. We like have like just like you know just express the the respect for for the player. Yeah. Like we lost six dollars, and he's like, wow, oh, he's so good. Just like completely genuine. <laughs> Shout out to Jason Spencer, I guess. Yeah. Um. All right, and uh, yeah, it's a back and forth game. Jordan Stahl ties it up seconds into the into the second period, you know, early second period. Yep. Uh, off the rush again. Assisted by Seth Jarvis. Yeah, that's right. And he's kind of skates right through the defense into the open space, you know. Essa Lindell, Wyatt Johnson, both guys were kind of guarding grass. Yeah, Lindell didn't look great on that one. No, he really didn't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, and, yeah, so, but uh, Mason Marchment, that same line, um, set up set up by, uh, so, yeah, off the face-off. Or, no, not from, from the face-off dot, sorry. One-timer, makes it 2-1. Um, yeah, that goal was nice, re- really, yeah. like, uh, the rare example of a very impressive secondary assist. Matt Duchesne. Matt Duchesne, yeah, yeah. kind of shouting him out once Hell once yeah. more. You know, he walked in. He's kind of, you know, he like stopped up near the blue line, circled around. Then Pat, Niels Lundqvist also, he looked really impressive on this well, play, this didn't he? one good play of the Shades week of Nicholas Lidstrom. He like, <laughs> shades of Nick. No, this is like, yeah, this is why there was like significant hype about him as a, as a first round pick and why Dallas gave up a first round pick to acquire him, right. you know. He's you know circled behind the net, made a really nice pass out to uh, Marchman in front, and yeah, I think I really think honestly, it's worth playing him more than like 14 minutes a night, despite the defensive shortcomings that may be in his game, because he's a really good offensive defenseman. Yeah, maybe time to try him out with S. Lindell. Yeah, I'd like yeah that would be a good fit for you know, you got the stay at home guy, you got the offensive guy, let him roam a bit. Uh, maybe Beat, beats putting him with Ryan Suter. I can't say that's setting up for success. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, um, let's see. Yeah, tied it up two two. The Hurricanes did. Jesper Fast scores from the slot. Yeah. Um, well, you know, kind of bounced off his skate after Jordan Martin took a shot. Weird shot after a scramble. Um, Thomas Harley rough little sequence for him in this case. Yes. Yeah, the puck in his own zone turns it off. T- turns it over on just an awful pass, and then just like wiped out trying to defend as well. Yeah, just not great. Kind of like a fool. Um, and then and then and then basically he was like fucking blocking Ottinger's view, just standing there guarding grass in front of the net when he finally got up. And uh, bad sequence. Yeah, really rough sequence. Over three. Um, but yeah, that was tough. Um, but but Jason Robertson scores the winning goal, makes it off the rush. Um, yeah, stars stars had a ton of pressure to start that third period. Yeah, you know, Tidal Andrew in particular had a couple nice chances that were stopped. Tidal Andrew had like a billion chances in this game, couldn't bury any of them. I want to talk about Ty Delandria in a bit. Look good. You want to? Yeah. I like Ty Delandria. I like what I saw from him. Mr. Okay. Helms, maybe he should get some more ice time is what I'll, I'll advocate for. Um, he, I did notice he is like the only forward on the team that's a minus this year, and he's minus six. Yeah, but, you know, he's, he's in, in bad situations. Sure, sure, He's sure. in and out of the lineup, can't establish a rhythm. Right. Um, I, I've got plenty of excuses uh, for Ty <laughs> Delandria, if, if anyone gives me the time. Um, and, yeah, Matt Duchesne scores a, you know – Empty net goal from his own zone, um, and Hurricanes thought they they brought it back within one on a bunting goal, but no, but Michael Bunting really just kind of shoved Jake Ottinger's yeah pad into the goal to get a goal, so that was waved off with a minute left, and that was it. That was all she wrote four two. 
I do remember when Todd Delandrio was considered an untouchable when Dallas was trying to acquire Eric Carlson from Ottawa in 2018. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of aged poorly. Um, he had just been drafted, like, 13th overall. Right. But still, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ty Delandria has never, he has never really totally been able to break into the NHL. I mean, he played all the games last year, right? Played the entire season, scored 20-something points, I think. Kind of underwhelming for a guy in your middle six. Yeah, I mean, dude, he just, he's just a fourth liner. Yeah. And honestly, even in his draft year, he was mostly projected around the tail end of the first round. And it was a surprise he went that high. So I'm I wouldn't call him a bust or anything. Right. Relative to 13th overall, you might hope for sure. more. But honestly, like he what he looks like to me is a solid fourth liner. I think he deserves consistent ice time based on the last two games that I've watched him. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, he looked good. He looked all, he had all sorts of chances. Yeah, yeah. He granted he could have finished them and he didn't really. But mm-hmm. like he was all over the place this guy. Yeah. You know, let, let me let me see. What kind of notes did he have? He had a breakaway that was saved. You know, he had a couple rushes. He was just all alone in front of the net with the puck. Uh, he just got stonewalled. Wow, look at all these times he couldn't score. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah, you know, that, that's that's another way to no, see I it. I get it, I get it. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, he is generating a ton of chances. So, you know, he's in the mm-hmm. right places. He looks he looks like he belongs in the third line. I think um, it's a shame that he, he doesn't get the ice time that he maybe deserves. And it kind of seems like he's on his way out maybe. You know, like it, like it's he's never really been able to figure it out. You think they're going to trade him? I don't know. I think I think it's it's certainly an option. I think his, his contract's up this year, and like we said, there there is there are a lot of forwards on this team. Um, yeah, I mean, I, don't I know what think the outlook is. I think you're probably, you know, going to be losing the likes of Dadanov and Craig Smith, and you hold on to the the younger guy, yeah, who you know you maybe keep around for cheaper for longer. I guess, but it's just you know, do they love him organizationally to that point, right? Um, yeah, or guess. do they look to trade him in the off season? You know, because um, or yeah, as part or of the Chris Tanev package. I was gonna say, or even at the deadline, right? As as a piece, as as a youngish piece, um, with some value because you know they have those guys behind him and, and the guys on the fourth line have been playing relatively well. So yeah. makes you wonder, but I think he looks good. So shout out to Ty Delandria, underrated, yeah. I think. Jason Robertson's also you know really interesting one, obviously. Cause I would like to, I'd be interested to hear from like avid Dallas fans because I I have an inkling that Jason Robertson is a frustrating player yeah. because he can score an insane goal like this out of nowhere. Remember last year? Remember at the start of last season, the insane tear he was on? Yeah. He was like on a 60-goal pace. Uh, he was scoring like every single game, it seemed. And it was always just the most impressive shots. Right. You're saying like he's up there with Matthews, best shot in the world, you know? wristers from far out going through everything sure. then he slowed down he only ended the year with 46 a measly 46 goals last year but this year he's on pace for even less than that he's on pace for like 27 which by the standard he set for himself is very disappointing and yet on occasion he can still just rip a shot like this one and you're probably going why can't you do th- why aren't you scoring 50 goals every year with a shot like that why, why can't you be David Pasternak yeah maybe he's, he's missing that consistency in his game you know, that guys like Pasternak have throughout the season, right? Um, where, yeah. Uh, how old is he? Like 23? Um, he was drafted in 2017. About 24, I guess. Okay. All right. So, yeah. If he's to take it to the next level, it's just it's that consistency, right? To drive the bus night in, night out. So why can't he? What's the problem? I have no idea. I don't know. I feel like sometimes it's just it's just uh, 
players just find a way season to season to take it to the next level and their development you know to, to build that consistency i think players even like pasternak right um where it's just like they they have the talent and then and then you know one season it just clicks and then yeah. from from that point out they're just able to sustain it yeah i get i mean even with matthews there's kind of been a little bit of like a an up and down pattern you know where i mean around 2020 there were like the shortened seasons and 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 such but it was really like insane goal scoring pace dip the next year insane he scored 60 and last year he dropped to 40 and this year is probably going to hit 70 right you know so I've maybe I guess Jason Robertson next year maybe we finally see him break past fifty maybe but honestly even like in terms of them being my cup pick that does kind of hinge on Jason Robertson needs to really go on a tear in the playoffs sure that'd be an enormous help yeah absolutely and that's yeah that's that's part of the unrealized potential of this team yeah you know I feel like um, there's there's parts of you know the defense could be improved. So that's a part of unrealized potential. Guys like Jason Robertson playing better. Even Jake Ottinger hasn't had such a great season. Yeah. Um, I think he's at like a 906 on the season or something around there. And he's still widely considered like among the top three goalies in the league. Right. So. And so, you know, he has that room to, to improve. Speaking of that, yeah, I know he missed time earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's only played like 32 games this year. And Wedgwood's played like 24. Yeah. Um, but they Jake Ottinger from now to the end of the season, should never be starting three games in a row like he did this week. There's no reason for that. There is none. You're first in the central, um, and you have a... I mean, it's not a, such a big cushion at this point. It's They're it's, fighting it out with the Avalanche. And yeah, the, and the, yeah, I know. The Jets, who have been falling off a bit. Yeah, and I know especially this year you really want to hold on to top spot in your division because there are only six good teams in the Western Conference, mm-hmm. and if you can win your division, you're probably drawing... The St. Louis Blues, honestly. Yeah. Or the Predators, God forbid. Or fucking Nad. This team, they make the playoffs, which they are in <laughs> position to do. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. There's a great yeah. benefit. But the the greater benefit is uh, not overplaying Ottinger down the stretch. Totally. You can't you can't take that risk when you already know he's the guy. He should be starting every single game come playoff time. And Scott Wedgwood's fine. He's okay. You it's know? fine. I mean, you, you would, he's not been that so good this year, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, ideally, you get maybe a better backup goalie, to be honest. Um, but even even if Scott Wedgwood can maintain around a 900, I think you ought, you got to be doing maybe a 60-40 down the stretch. Man, down year for Scott Wedgwood. What the fuck? <laughs> Why are you so shocked about this? I don't know. Scott I, I Wedgwood know, in 897? I didn't what? know this was this much of a down year because I didn't know realize how good he was the last three years. He was, he was at 9-11, 9-13, 9-15. Yeah, he's typically been a fucking fantastic Jeez. backup goalie. I didn't know he was that good of a backup goalie. Yeah. But I guess, you know, he's not a starter, so maybe it was, you know, the workload. It's funny, he is. I'm trying to remember his trajectory, because he was kind of just a straight-up AHL goalie until he was, like, 28. And then all of a sudden, he became a great backup. Yeah. Somehow. Just first, yeah, just, just good for him. Yeah. Oh, Wedgwood. Way to go, Scott. Um... But yeah, absolutely on on the wet on the hundred point. Um, but yeah, moving to the uh, the last game of the week, uh, the Stars and the Predators. They fucking murdered the Predators um, from minute one. This was this is cathartic. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, oh, see fuck. a team I I'm very fond of like the yeah. Dallas Stars. It's absolutely beat up and pummel on the Nashville who give up, who have been giving off just depressing vibes. Terrible for the past couple of years at this point. Sure, it was fun. Well, it wasn't fun for me. It's fun for me. I own UC Yeah, but you Saros. had Saros on your fantasy team. 
But I understand. Literally, though, after like just straight the first goal, Sam Steele, thirty-five seconds in. Yeah. Immediately, it smelled like it was gonna be a, a shellacking. So over. Yeah. <laughs> so. Over. Yeah. But yeah, the bread stink because of the way that you just entered the zone and simply shot and simply scored. And it it's like, Sam Steele. That was way too. And it was Sam Steele. Thirty was, seconds into the game. Like, first shift. 30 walk, seconds like, into the game, your fourth line, Sam Steele, is scoring that easily. Just walks in. With Luke Shen screening the goalie. Oh, God. Yeah, absolutely. You're right on. Um, so, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the other goals. Matt Duchesne, a tap-in on a two-on-one. Another. Another um, for Matt another Duchesne. Another one for Matt Duchesne. On a two-on-one with Mason Marchment. Tyson Berry looked like an absolute fool out there defending that two-on-one. Um, he just... Got down way too early. Yeah. Pretty straightforward for Marchment to just outweigh him. Simple pass across to Duchesne. Um, Ty Delandry had a nice chance that was saved. I'll just shout that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at 3 nothing, Craig Smith um, off the rush with Sam Steele. Another fourth-line goal. Um, you know, Jeremy Lozon on the play. We're in the goat horns. Can't handle the, the lob into the zone. Yeah, these defensemen were really spreading out the misery. Yeah. Luke Shen looked like shit on the first goal. Then Tyson Berry. Then Jeremy Lozon. Yeah, terrible. Um, and then and then even Roman Yossi got in on the action on the yeah. first goal. Four nothing. Wyatt Johnson buries a rebound um, in front of the net. You know he was like Roman Yossi was like the the third closest guy to the net on that rebound. It was like that, you know Johnson was there obviously tied to Landria and on the mix. Hell oh yeah. yeah. The, getting the assist. Getting in the dirty area. Uh, tied to Landria. Rhymes. You know what the the shot tally was after the first period? 18-1. Yeah, it? yeah, and it was yeah. actually Dallas had already scored three goals before Nashville got its first That's shot on right. goal. right. Was it 12 nothing? I think at one point. The shots was I think like even 13 maybe. Oh, fuck. Bronx okay. cheer when Nashville finally got a yeah, shot. Yeah, that's right. And then they 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 promptly pulled poor UC Saros. Um, after one period, threw in Kevin Lankinen. Not giving him a chance to boost your fantasy numbers. Yeah. Or, or make them worse. Or, ma- you know, based on the rest of the game, I'm quite happy they did that. I think that was... Uh, kind. Kind. Kind of them, to me, personally. Um, but yeah, Mira Heiskanen scores to make a 5 nothing. He finds a loose puck. A little goal mouth scramble after he pinches down. Um, you know, Ty Delandria and Wyatt Johnson getting in on the action. Good shit. Hooray. Yeah, Ty Delandria. Um, you know, uh, let's see. Cole Smith. Scored the Predators' first goal. Um, yeah, two yeah. different C. Smiths yeah. scoring this yeah. game. Yeah, they did. Yeah, that that did happen. Kind of confusing, um, in a sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to uh, some. Big big rebound by Ottinger on that one. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of slow to react on the rebound too. Um, but uh, like a minute later, Tyler Sagan on the power play. I uh, just buries a rebound in the crease. You know, Kevin Lankinen mishandling the puck as maybe Kevin Lankinen's want to do. And, uh, you mean want? Want, want. My bad. That's that's the second time you've corrected me on that, right? Is it? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. <laughs> He's won't to do. I, I have not fixed myself. Clearly, mm-hmm. the self improvement is required. Um, maybe both pronunciations are valid. Maybe. I, I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> but but the Predators do score a second goal. Good for them. You know, uh, Thomas Novak. Thirty seconds after that Sagan goal, kind of buries a loose puck in the slot. Uh, kind of a weird bounce off the wall that leads to that goal that Thomas Harley couldn't really handle, but that's okay. Um, Matt Duchesne, Woo! another one. Um, th- to end the second period with less than a minute left. Such an impressive backhand deke off the rush. Um, saying with a nice setup to enter the zone and uh, four Predators standing around doing nothing. Yeah, four guys in the zone guarding one guy, and no one was close. It's to honestly him. rare you see such an abysmal performance and effort yeah. from a team. It was crazy. 
It's impressive. Across the board. I didn't know it was possible to cover that little area with four guys <laughs> <laughs> in the defensive zone, you know? It's like, yeah. That's all you're They doing. were all exactly where they shouldn't be. Yeah. None of them were in the neutrals. They were just fully in the defensive zone, just standing around. It was crazy. Um, and then the highlight of the week, one might say, the eighth goal for the Stars, <laughs> the tenth goal of the game. It was a good goal. It was a, it was a rocket of a goal. You know what's crazy? What? The fact that so with the game clearly out of hand, he would take a slap <laughs> shot. How rude. How rude. Rid- Ridley Greig energy. Ridley, Ridley Greig, Greig energy. Yeah. And I love it. I love and it And no one him. came cross-check him in the face because they're right. soft. Nashville is soft and they don't care and they gave up. No, because Ty Delanger is that likable. He's that kind of a player, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, off the short side, rocket. Just a slap shot. Perfect location. Short side, Kevin Lankinen. Didn't flinch. All right, didn't move. This guy, no chance. He's saying when Dad not healthy, you better not take me out of the lineup. Yeah, you made a great case. I say he made a great case. I think last I do. Agree. He did everything he could have done. Yeah, that's right. Um, so shout out to Ty Delandria. Hopefully he can keep it up. If he doesn't, I'm fucking jumping off the ship. I'm not committed to the ship at all. <laughs> <laughs> this is only based off the last two games. If he stinks the rest of the season, I am I am not committed <laughs> to this bit. All right, I just want to put that out there. But but based on the last two games, I like what I like what I saw. I like what I saw. All right. Um, Wyatt Johnson scores the, the final goal of the game. Four-point night for Wyatt Johnson. Good for him. Um, he buries it from the slot. That's it. 9-2. Dallas is filled to the brim with lovable care, lovable players. Yeah, what a great vibe. I mean, hints Robertson Pavelski. Sure. Filling up that top line. I mean, people think different things about Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn, of course. But I, was, I think, in, and you know, Wyatt Johnston, Tyler Landria, once Stankovin and Maverick Bork are finally on the team. You know, we've talked... Sam Steele. I feel like Sam Steele, sure. You know, yeah. Washed up wild guy. You know, they gave up on him. Not washed up. They just kind of. Well, the gave Ducks up on him. gave up on him before that. Oh, that's right. For the uh, Wild, he was the reclamation project. Uh, who just right. kind of walked, you know. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I mean, despite the fact that they've got two bad contracts on the books and Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan, even though Sagan's having a bit of a bounce back, nine point eight five is of course like bad value. Yeah. Jamie Ben even. By last year's standard, where he bounced back quite a bit, scored like 30 goals, nine and a half, too much. This year, it's even more pronounced. Yeah. Um, and yet, Jim Nill, I think, who's been on this job for, uh, I think, like as long as Yarmo was in Columbus. Like I think they hired him 2013. I think the Tyler Sagan acquisition was one of the first things he did, if I remember correctly. Uh, and obviously, you know, the team's been through up and da- ups and downs. They made it to the Stanley Cup final in 2020 in a bit of a surprise. But this team, without ever tearing it down, um, with only having one like really high draft pick in Mira Heiskanen, uh, has built the best iteration of, I think, the Dallas team that we've seen in, since I've been in the 21st century, possibly, you know? Yeah. Uh, and a big part of that is he really hit grand slams on, you know, Rupi Hintz in the second round. Jason Robertson in the second round, um, and you know Jake Ottinger late in the the first round, that type of thing. But also, he was able to fill out the lineup with really smart acquisitions, like Mason Marchment has fit in absolutely perfectly. Matt Duchesne has fit in absolutely perfectly, and one other uh, Joe Pavelski. There's another big one, um, and one uh, thing I think very impressive that he did is that he put skilled players on the fourth line. He brought in Craig Smith, you know, this guy who's been known to be a goal scorer, who's, you know, kind of on the back half of his career, 
not the top six forward he once was, but he was like, all right, go on the fourth line then, play against lesser competition, score when you can. Same thing with Sam Steele, you know. These aren't grinders in the classical sense. These aren't fourth liners in the classical sense. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're, you're having them flank uh, the defensively responsible Radic Faxa, and all of a sudden now your fourth line is on occasion a scoring threat, you know? Yep. And you wonder why more teams don't try to make that the case for themselves. Uh, Jim Neal, I, I think, honestly, you can clearly see over the course of his tenure, he has actually improved at his job yeah. and gotten better and better. And now has like a really, really keen sense for exactly the right type of player to add to the team. And now they are the, uh, definitely a Stanley Cup contender. My Stanley Cup pick. Sticking by it in full force. Sure. I'd buy it. Um... Yeah, real good good self-improvement track for Mr. Nil. Mr. Um, Nil. Because, yeah, it, it did feel like for so many years it's like, oh, it's the Dallas Stars, you know? The mediocre, mediocre yeah. eighth seed, seventh seed, Dallas Stars. Oh, they made a, a great run in 2020, sure, but they were never going to win. Nobody picked them to win, and they didn't, right? Yeah. Um, but but to be able to go and, t- and turn it around like they have, right, um, and figure it out on so many fronts, like you pointed out, the drafting, the free agency, um, and, and, yeah, the roster construction philosophy, very impressive, very impressive. Um, and I think... This the kind of now they just need Chris Tanev, <laughs> the final piece, <laughs> the last piece. Um and, and yeah, so yeah, he's he's this is this feels like something sustainable for the Stars, you know, the, the way they've built out their roster, and you have faith in that kind of philosophy, right? When you do things like build out a skilled fourth line, it just yeah, gives you and continue goal. to draft incredibly well, right? Absolutely, Stankoven, Maverick Bork. Yeah, they're just knocking at the door of the NHL. Who do they draft this year, or in recent years? And they took uh, Leanne Bixell in 2022, which was kind of questionable, i got to yeah. say. They should have taken Jimmy Snuggerud. Mm, shame. Oh, uh, and uh, this they, year... They didn't have a first this year. Right. They took Tristan Bertucci in the second round. Okay. Well... A bunch of names that I don't recognize, but... They also have Christian Cairo in their system, I know. Yeah. Good offensive defenseman. They do. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my Dallas outlook. Extremely positive. Overwhelmingly so. Yeah, Absolutely. I'd agree. Oh, right. We're almost an hour in with all of our diversions and such. Wow. And our, I think it's just because Dallas is fucking fun to talk about. No, seriously. Yeah, straight up. They're a very fun team. Very dynamic team. Lots of talent. And like you said, a lot of likable guys. Yeah. I'm out here, I'm out here planting my flag for, for Tidalandria. Yeah, crazy. Crazy. Never see that happen. Um, all right. Speaking of, yeah, long-tenured general managers, one of them was fired this week. Yep. Yarmo Kekalainen. Absolutely, yeah. La- Time's up. Time's up. I mean, we Overdue. all knew this was coming eventually. I uh, I yeah. thought they would wait till the end of the season, but I really think they decided we don't want this guy running the trade deadline. I don't blame him. Weird timing. Weird timing in that sense. But Unusual timing, but as soon as you decide, why wait? Right. Why wait? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I saw an article, you know, they wanted John Davidson to take over, right, as the interim guy, as he's done, and apparently he had some sort of health issues. Like, he had a back surgery. Okay. He was recovering from, and so the deal was, you know... They were just kind of waiting for this guy to get healthy. <laughs> as soon as John's yeah. recovered from his back And John surgery. just got healthy. So, okay. so then they fired Kekalainen. So I guess, you know, there's no point. In that sense, they did the right thing. You know, if you know you're going to fire the guy, you might as well kick him out. No point waiting, really. Sure. Um, but, so yeah. You, you don't want to really get a situation where, you know, Kekalainen has a trade in, in line and you, you tell him no because yeah. you're not the guy, right? So Did you see the report that came out, which... 
Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if this was maybe a last straw for Kekalainen and he was really in on Elias Lindholm. Lindholm. Yeah. That's pushing rough. hard for it. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's grim. That's grim. I, I mean, th- basically, I mean, Jay Fresh said something really funny that I was like, you know, all of Kekalainen's moves over the past four years make a lot more sense if you realize that he never at any point had access to the NHL standings page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Signing Gaudreau, mm-hmm. signing Goodbranson, Katie yeah. Provorov. I will say, you know, you may remember during the off season. I mean, I'm always bragging about my my when I'm correct, so I do have to take my lumps. Yeah, eat some shit. Because here. I did. Yeah. I did. Admittedly, it was a very bold decision. I put Columbus in the playoffs this year. I put them last. Uh, near the bottom for sure. At least you might have had them ahead of the Flyers. Okay. But most did. Feels good. Right, but so impressive. Yeah, you predicted the feels, Blue Jackets. Feels good. Feels good. Feels okay. Good. Anyway. But yeah, I was looking at the team. I was saying beyond just you know the young talent and the offensive talent that has a lot of room to grow, and beyond the capable defensemen they've added if they play them in the right roles, I think you know goaltending, which was so bad last year, if it improves to about league average, if things fall into place, watch out. You know, obviously none of that happened. <laughs> yeah. The goaltending has right. not improved. Nope. Uh, actually, I, well, it has improved on last year, but it's still bad. Sure. Severson and Provorov have both been extreme disappointments. Johnny Gaudreau has been so bad all year long. Uh, and, of course, it was the Babcock fiasco. Pascal Vincent has not done a very good job. Kent Johnson's... You know, we were talking about Slavkovsky getting stability. Kent Johnson has the opposite. Uh, and beyond that, Kekalainen, in the offseason, obviously based on his moves, he was thinking, we want to make a push this year. We want to make the playoffs. We want to add pieces. And honestly, I didn't blame him at the time. But the the fact that you know they went after Linto means f- being dead last in the Eastern Conference has not ch- had not changed his mindset, which is insane. At that point, you're going okay, Armo. <laughs> Time's up. It's time. Time you to know. put him out the pasture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's just no- nothing worked. Nothing worked this year. And you know he wears the horns on on the whole fucking Babcock disaster. Yeah, that that, that was a bad omen. Um, and, and yeah, just everything's going wrong organizationally. You hear, hear stuff about David Yerchek being unhappy. He's in the yep. AHL. You know, it's just like, seems like very organizationally, it's just kind of a mess. Nothing's working out. Um, all these trades that were maybe ill-advised at the time have turned out to be, have turned out poorly. Um, especially on defense, you know? That defense is a mess. Which is insane Lorenzky. because they have so many defensemen. So much money tied up too. And so much money in them. Man. And this, and few of them are any good. Yeah, really, truly. Um, you know, Good Branson signed to that contract as two years after this one at four million dollars. Yeah. Um, David Severson was a poor acquisition. From poor, the moment. From the moment it was it occurred. You know, you give up the asset. Well, the the contract was much worse than the acquisition. Right. They give up a third for the rights, right? So so they could get the extra year on the contract. Oh hooray! <laughs> <laughs> the eighth year on the six million for for Damon Severson, and then you know Ivan Provorov. I mean, look, the Flyers look so much better without him. That is true. <laughs> and he does not look good. Um, yeah. Playing next to Damon Severson. So, you know, that, that defense is a mess. Um, I got to say, is yeah, you just maybe he's just not a very good general manager. I got to say, you know? You know, there's a tendency, especially now with how the team is looking, to only see the negatives when we look at Yarmo. So I, I took the initiative today. I was like, you know, I'm going to do a little retrospective gonna take a look at all because i mean he is leaving columbus and a lot everyone's saying like this is honestly for a new gm walking into a new job a pretty sweet position to be in because you've got a quite a loaded pipeline um 
and you know you got you know some star power on your team already uh obviously you know some issues to iron out some bad deals you'd like to get off the books but all things you know it's it's not like you have to tear the things down and start from scratch necessarily but anyway Yarmo he was hired in February 2013 mm-hmm. 11 darn years ago in the middle of uh, the lockout shortened year uh, the first big movie did. He traded Derek Broussard Plus for Marion Gabrick. Remember that one? No, I don't. <laughs> you don't? No. Well, he brought in Marion Gabrick, making right. a big making a big splash. Okay. And that year, they were coming off finishing last in the league and drafting Ryan Murray. Mm-hmm. And that year, uh, mostly thanks to Sergei Bobrovsky and his Vezina season, they really surprised and finished in a ninth in the West. That was their last year in the West. What a sentence. Yeah. Yeah. They really finished ninth in the West and missed the playoffs. And they had three. That, that, was, that was your best. That was your best case headline for this year, by the way. In hindsight, they were oh. never make the play. Oh, for this year, you mean? <laughs> they really surprised and finished ninth <laughs> yeah. in the in the East. Yeah, that was as good as it was gonna get. Yeah, Look at the competition in the East right now. Even if Columbus had kind of pined out, panned out. Yeah, but we would have said the exact same thing. Honestly, like, if the Flyers were where the Blue Jackets are now, we'd be saying the exact same thing. The, the outlook heading into the season was the same for both those teams, right. basically. Sure. Like, oh, they're terrible. Yeah. They'll duke it out for last. Okay, fair enough. Anyway. And the Flyers have done it up to this point. Yeah, the Flyers have so far. Uh, in a sense. Columbus, in that, uh, in Yarmo's first draft at the helm, Columbus had three first-round picks. Remember who they took with them? I have, I have it here, so. Oh. Yeah. Alexander Wenberg, 14th overall. That worked out, then they bought him out. <laughs> Kirby Reichel. <laughs> Yeah, and Marco Dano. That wasn't great. Sure. I have to admit. No. The next season, the 2013-14 season. Now this, this way it gets real. They trade Marion Gabrick <laughs> for futures, and yet they still make the playoffs. Wow. Made it for their second time in franchise history. They make the playoffs in 2014. They also trade away Jonathan Marshall for fuck all. <laughs> but anyway. I have no idea what the narrative you're building here. I, we'll see. I, I, can't, yeah. I can't wait to see where you're going right. with this. And Is it good get, or bad? They get their first playoff win in franchise history Okay, against the, the mighty Pittsburgh Penguins. Sure. They lose that series in six. But it's a big step forward. All right, Things look bright in Columbus 10 okay. years ago. <laughs> things look good. They okay. draft Sonny Milano that summer in the first round. Yep. They acquire Scott Hartnell in an absolute fleecing they only have to give up, like, R.J. Umberger and a pick, I think. Um, another fleecing, actually. Another excellent trade by Jarmo Kekalainen during the following season. Uh, in exchange for James Wisniewski and a third rounder, they acquire a second rounder, Rene Bork, and the incredible William Carlson. Brought into Columbus. Wow. What a great move. That's a great player. What a great I can <laughs> say objectively, that's a really great player. <laughs> that's a really player. good player Yarmo acquired, isn't it? It is. <laughs> yeah, well done. Well done. They missed the playoffs that year. <laughs> they finished 10th in the East. They draft Wierenski. But that summer, they make another fantastic trade. Trading away Artem Anisimov and, and assorted assets for Brandon Saad. They bring in a, a really good, you know, top line winger who's, you know, would score thirty goals. The twenty fifteen sixteen season, Yarmo makes a blockbuster one for one trade. I assume you know what I'm talking about. Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones, you know, and I gotta say, I that one absolutely worked out, if only because Ryan Johansson fucking sucked yeah, thereafter. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and and you know they, I mean, they finished fourteenth in the Eastern Conference that year, so that was bad. Yeah, that's tough. 
Yarmo then proceeds at the draft, making that big splash drafting Pierre-Luc Dubois. Bold decision. We were talking recently about it on how, despite, you know, how Dubois didn't work out in Columbus, it's, you know, hard to say that they should have drafted Pugliarvi instead. Yep. You know? Absolutely. And now, here we go. John Tortorella comes in. Yarmo bring you know, the controversial hire, some might say. Okay. The 2016-17 season, this is where things turn on for the Blue Jackets, all right? They have that 16-game winning streak. They finish third in the Eastern Conference, their best regular season of all time, and lose to the Penguins in the first round. (laughs) Again, (laughs) in five games this time. But that summer, we're going to build on our success, right? Sure. And makes another fleecing. It's the Panarin Prasad trade. Wow. Sending Brandon Saad back to Chicago, bringing Artemi Panarin in. You kind of sort of turned Artemi, Artem Anisimov into Artemi Panarin, if you don't look too closely at the rest of the details yeah, of the trade. Right. Um, and then they got absolutely fucked in the expansion draft. <laughs> in order to keep Josh Anderson, who they would later turn into Max Domi, who they would trade for, you know, not much. And in order to keep... Jonas Corposalo, they give up William Carlson to the Vegas Golden Knights and the 24th overall pick. So, Grim. That was, that was, yeah, that's rough. That's tough. That's one of the dumbest decisions any GM's made in the past while, I think. Yeah. It was William Carlson and the, your first-round pick. Man. You know who you could have had with that first-round pick? Ooh. Jake Ottinger. Went two picks later. How badly does the Columbus Blue Jackets need Jake Ottinger today? Oh, boy. Yeah. So yeah. they cut out Jason Robertson too. He didn't go too far after that. But they make the playoffs again the next year. First time in franchise history, they make the playoffs two years in a row. <laughs> they finish seventh in the East, and they have a two nothing series lead, which they blow to the Washington Capitals, and lose in the first round again and draft Liam Foodie. So now at this point in the almost tenure, we have uh, five playoff wins. In terms of games, like five, you know, individual games won in the playoffs. Yeah. No playoff rounds won. Um, and the next year, 2018-19. It's an, an unfortunate metric to be emphasizing, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you're yeah. almost going. You're almost in there, going. All right. Yeah. How can I? How, how can I protect my legacy? <laughs> and he's going. You know, what? we got to win a playoff round this year. We got to do it. We're in the mix. We're gonna make the playoffs. This is the year to go for it. We have a good team. We have Cam Atkinson shooting the lights out on like a 30 goal pace. Zach Gurensky and Seth Jones, one of the best top pairings in the league. Sergei Bobrovsky rules. Artemi Panarin rules. Now's the year to sell the farm to bring in Matt Duchesne and Ryan Dezingle and Adam McQuaid. Mm, I think they brought in Keith Kincaid also to be like the third string goalie or something. And you know what? It worked. They made the playoffs. and they And they swept the, the President's Trophy winning Tampa Bay Lightning. First series win in franchise history. And, yeah, I know they lost in the next round to the Bruins <laughs> in six games. <laughs> but, you know, this was Yarmo's crowning achievement. This was One the, series win. A in sweep 12 of, years. of the President's Trophy in winning 12 years. team. You know, that's, years. that's an incredibly impressive accomplishment. Is it? And then Panarin, Duchesne, and Bobrovsky all walk in the summer. How could he have known that was going to happen? <laughs> How could he have possibly prepared for such a thing? Yeah, so obviously, you know, the next year Columbus, you know, on on the the roster takes a hit. 
But, you know, they still managed to scratch and claw. They're still in the playoff picture. They're ninth in the East in the regular season, but because of the bubble situation, they end up going up against Toronto in the play-in round. And they win again. You could say that was their second playoff series win if you want to. I don't necessarily because, you know, special conditions and all that. I'll hand it to them. Sure. Personally. And Jonas Corposalo looked incredible. They absolutely ruined the Maple Leafs. (laughs) Embarrassed them. They did. They They embarrassed them. And they took the Tampa Bay Lightning to five overtimes in the first game. (laughs) (laughs) And five games in the series. (laughs) Seven years into this story, I still don't know which narrative you're pushing here. Is it the ironic he's good? or It's the ironic really? he's good. Oh, okay, all right. It's the ironic he's glad, good. Glad we, nar- we, we hammered that down. Yeah, all right. Yeah, okay. And then that, that summer, a trade's Josh Anderson for Max Domi. A trade we praised at the time. And then drafted Yor Chinikov, another extremely bold decision, which has actually worked out. Yeah. The following season, Pierre Dubois causing a headache. Get on out of here, Pierre. We're sending you to Winnipeg with a third-round pick. And we're bringing in Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovic. A trade with the, the Blue Jays. He somehow took a terrible situation and leveraged it into a really good trade. Um, and they finished last place. In, that, <laughs> in that, that, Remember that fake Central Division? Yeah, of course. They finished last place in that. Yeah. Um, but that summer, another fucking fleecing. He's making great trades left and right, this guy. Making great trades left and right. Honestly, I do think this was the most impressive trade of his entire tenure. The Seth Jones to Chicago. Yep. He, he brings, robbed them blind. He robbed them blind. Chicago immediately turned him into a negative asset. Immediately after acquiring him. Uh, for So who did they get? They gave up? They gave up Adam Boquist. Hasn't quite panned out. Um, a first round pick, which ended up being sixth overall the next year. And they took David Yerichek. That's from the Seth Jones trade. A second-round pick, which they then parlayed into Jake Bean. And uh, who was the other? What was the other? There was another asset, wasn't there? What was it? Let's see. Oh, my God. I do not have it in front of me. It was like Boquist, a first, a second. There was another player. All right, let's see. Um, Okay, so... Adam Boquist, Chicago's first round pick in 2021. Yeah. Chicago's second round pick oh. in 2021. Oh, that that was it. And it was yeah. It was the other asset was they like swapped first rounders that draft and they hit Cole Sillinger. Mm, okay. Um and dropped down. Chicago dropped down to like 32 and took Nolan Allen. Right with Tampa Bay's first pick. Yeah. Yeah. So Columbus, uh, basically they they got David Yurchek, Cole Sillinger, Adam Boquist, and Jake Bean, for Seth Jones. That's an incredible, great haul. Incredible haul. Great haul. They draft, yeah, Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger that draft. The next year, they improve. They finish tenth in the Eastern Conference. They draft Yerichuk. Excuse me. They draft Matejchuk. That summer, Johnny Gaudreau falls into their lap. They sign him. They sign fucking Good Branson too, and they traded Bjorkstrand for like a third and fourth round pick. So on the whole, pretty bad summer I gotta say yeah. that Yarmo had there. And, you know, the next year manifested itself in the fact that they finished uh, last in the Eastern Conference. Um, they traded Corpusalo, getting Gafrikov. They fired, uh, or, you know, Tortorella ended up leaving. At some Wait, when did Tortorella leave? Am I way past Tortorella leaving? I think you are. Because how long has he been? Yeah, I am. 
So who was? Oh, I uh, I, forgot that, I forgot about the uh, what was his name? The assistant coach that no was one. He bald. The assistant was like Scott something or. Remember they hired him and all the fans right away were like, oh this guy sucks. Was he, he was a head coach at one point. Oh yeah, yeah, for a couple of years. Okay. Yeah, I'm way past towards leaving. Yeah, because he was on TV for a little while. Uh, let's see, list of Blue Jackets head coaches. Brad Larson. That's the one, not Scott. Brad Larson. Let's let's see if I was right. Is he, yeah, he's pretty bald. Yes, yeah, so they fire him. They draft Fantilli. They acquire Provorov and Severson. They can they proceed to suck. And the last trade he ever made, Eric Robinson for a conditional seventh. Which there it is. I looked at the condition. It's probably not even gonna not <laughs> even gonna Robinson be happening. For nothing. Eric gave, Robinson for nothing. Gave away Eric Robinson. Yeah. So I so you know, Yarmo all this to say. He gave it a really good go. Made the playoffs four years in a row. Okay. One like one and a half playoff rounds, you could say. Um but yeah, didn't fucking work out. No, it didn't. At all. I think you'd have to say. He's left the team uh worse than he he when he joined, they were bottom of the barrel. And he lifted them into the playoffs and kept them there semi consistently for the course of a Ten years or so. Never had them over the hump though. Never a contender. Yeah, and then yeah, he just couldn't, couldn't turn it, couldn't you know solve the equation. Spent a billion dollars. Spent a billion dollars. Friendly stat. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun stat. That is a fun stat. And now you know, they're back on the other other side of the mountain, with I will say one really fucking kick-ass playoff series to show for it. Is that a failure? Yeah. <laughs> Some might say Probably it is. So. But you know, tell that to. The people who who have good memories <laughs> with the Blue Jackets winning some playoff games with Panarin, etc. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> there, that's my improvised documentary. Sure. Thank you. That tries to end on a hopeful note. That is a deep dive. Um, <laughs> rate it on ten. Rate the rate the regime on ten. The regime. Well, the the eleven year tenure. Well, like a two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He wasn't very good. Um, he had his hits. He was pretty good at trading. It, yeah, it's insane how many trades he outright won. Yeah, but that's the thing. You can't you can't build your team off of trades. This is what at I say. At the end of the day, you can't do it. You, you, but I remember you, when we were arguing about Mark Bergevin at one yeah. point, uh, when he was still the GM in Montreal, and I was like, you know, he wins every trade he makes, it seems, but, you know, there's that argument that it's not his job to win trades. It's his job to, you know, build a contending hockey team. And I remember exactly what you replied. You said, if you're the GM, it's absolutely your job to win trades. <laughs> to which I would say, you know, in a sense, I was right, but in also in a different sense, I've completely changed my point perspective on it. Yeah. Which is you, you need to you need to win trades, but you you need to be a bit more well rounded than that. Yeah. I think that's what Yarmo's shown. Um, his his free agent pickups, you know, whether it's not being able to retain any of the, the the star guys in Bobrovsky and Panarin, whether it's signing guys like you know Good Branson, um, Severson, Severson to bad contracts, um, and at the end of the day, he just. He wasn't able to draft outside of the first round. That is true. Um, Except Emil Bemstrom. Well, even so. <laughs> that's grim. <laughs> the fact that <laughs> he's the one. That's your exception. That's the one guy. Um, and even in the first round, he didn't have a, a you know, like the year they drafted Stiller and Johnson. They also, you know, drafted Corson. 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 Well, yeah, he's still, he's on. That was only two years ago. Give it, give it time. Give it time. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I thought you were going to criticize like the, like the Sonny Milano pick or like Liam Foodie. Or how about, like, just ignore the first round because he's done relatively well in that. But you need, if you look at the stars, they get their guys. Every successful team gets their gets at least a handful of guys 
from the second round. That's right? true. Um, or, and, and, or, or later, and they have nobody. They have really, the, the biggest difference maker on this team right now that was not drafted in the first round is maybe Kirill Marchenko, right? That was a good one. That was a good one. And that's basically it. They could have had Dabrinka instead of Andrew Peake. They could have. They could have had a bunch of guys. But like you, it's, it's like a, it's a wasteland. You go and yeah. look through the draft history of the black, uh, the Blue Jackets, and you can't just you can't just draft well in the first round. And even then, you know, the, the, they've they've had limited limited success, I'd say, even in the first round. You know, where like recently, compared had, to most oh, teams, it's been a pretty good track record. Pretty good, sure. I'll hand them that. But outside of the outside of the first round, it's a disaster. Yeah. Um. So at the end of the day, I think that's if you want to build a sustainable roster, a lot of that right? probably falls on development. Sure. Absolutely. And that's totally under his purview too. So. Yeah, you know, both the talent evaluation, the development that they've never been able to figure out. Maybe you know, hiring John Tortorella in that respect wasn't the brightest decision. Um, it's just it's it's been an organizational failure of theirs, right? To draft guys in the later rounds, and you can't do that. You just can't. You need to be better rounded than that. So I would not hire him again. You know, sure. I would go for someone new. He's just he's got some talent as a trader, but that's not enough. Yep, that's the verdict for me. I wonder how vastly different the entire NHL honestly would look if they didn't do that William Carlson thing at the expansion draft. Maybe the Golden Knights held on, held yeah. on to him. Maybe drafted Jake Ottinger. Imagine that. Who knows if Dallas would have a goalie now? Who knows if the Golden Knights would even have a Stanley Cup? Yeah. Funny how those small things can make such a difference in in life. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. All right. Make or break. And they broke. And they broke. And they broke. Yarmo broke them. That's harsh. <laughs> Yarmo broke them. Yes, he's responsible for the team. I will pin as much blame as I can on this guy. Yeah, I guess. Look at them. Uh, there's something he said for, you know, organizationally, maybe not the best. Who knows? But, like, anyways. That 2019 anyways. Blue Jackets team was really fucking fun, though. It was fun. It was a ton of fun. That was so fun. It went all in. It was great. And watching the Tampa Bay Lightning just shrivel up after one game. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. They'll, have, they'll always have that. Isn't that crazy that, like, the two most impressive President's Trophy performances in, like, the cap era lost in the first round? Yeah. Bruins, 65 wins last year, lose to Florida. Tampa, 62 wins, which was, like, the previous record. Yeah. Swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's the curse. It's the President's it's the Trophy curse. Curse. It's not the present. No, obviously we've talked about before how this idea of a president's trophy curse is complete bullshit. Right. But maybe there is something to now like a sixty-plus wins curse, <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like they're having disproportionate lack of success. Well, granted, in the recent cap era, it's like what they're zero for two. Yeah, that's that's insane. What's well, not? Oh, in the first round, I guess. To be zero for two in the first round as the sixty-plus sure. wins that's team. Fair. Yeah, first round. That's you know, not winning the Stanley Cup over two isn't crazy. Yeah. But first round exits, two for two, you know, that's that's kind of wild. Yeah. Know? Yeah. All right. I guess the answer is you just got to get over the hump. Um, in that respect, then who knows? Yeah. But yeah, any other parting words for the Yarmo Kirkleiden party? Elliot Friedman thinks that other front offices want him, not as a GM, but as like a talent evaluator. Okay. Sure. I, I guess he can be valuable in that respect. Yeah. I mean, clearly he has a certain skill set. He has a nose for trading. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't put him on the scout team. Right. But those for trading. Or the hiring coaches team. Or the signing free agents team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, maybe as an amateur scout. Maybe as a professional Oh, I mean, scout. I mean, I mean yeah, pro yeah. scout. Yeah, yeah my yeah. bad. I mean pro scout. That's yeah, what I mean. Yeah, I could cut out a role for him there if he yeah. wants to. Yeah, come on in, Yarmo. 
All right. Other news. Other news. We've got um, Ridley Gregg. Yeah, we do. Ridley Gregg. Uh, big incident. Big hubbub. Battle of Ontario. <laughs> big hullabaloo. Yeah, that's right. Big ado. Much ado, as they say. As they say, much ado about very little. About Ridley Gregg. <laughs> much ado. As Shakespeare once said, much ado about Ridley. <laughs> yeah. Um, he does a little... Well, you've probably seen it by now. Everyone does a, he does a little slappy, slappy shot. Into the empty net, and then yeah. Morgan Riley comes over and cross-checks him in the head, and he gets five games of a suspension. Which is being appealed. Obviously, everyone and their mothers have talked this to death yeah. this week. Um, obviously, most of that is because it's a Toronto game. It's got all the eyes on it. Everyone cares about it. That That's all true, and that's all good. I wish I had more time to write out my thoughts in detail with some nuance. On this? On this. Really? In particular. Because, I mean, from every angle, people were accidentally pulling the stick too far one way or the other. Mm. You know? Okay. Because, okay, I'll try to kind of walk walk through this stream of consciousness a little bit. Sure. So, you know, Ridley Gregg, he takes a slap shot into the empty net, with like five seconds left. I think Ridley Gregg, you know, he's doing what Ridley Gregg does and that type of player. He's trying to get under the skin of the opponent. Clearly, it's working. He's doing it successfully. And I do think he, it was a lapse of judgment of his to not seem to realize that Morgan Riley might come over or that some player would come over, try to give him some shit, you know, because I think uh, he should have been prepared for that. Um, so I do not obviously accept the narrative that he didn't see it coming. Or maybe I do, but that he that he that there's no way he could have known. Right. Right. On the other hand, it kind of I kind of also am not quite on board with people who are like, he did nothing wrong, you know? Like, like it's perfectly normal and fine to take a slap shot into the empty net because it's not, and it's meant to annoy the other team and piss off the other team. But that's the point. So, like, full credit to Ridley for doing that. Um, actually, like, I, I agree with, with Steve Dangle when he said, like, the fact that it pisses us off and makes us angry worked and mean it's good and it was the right thing to do, yeah. you know? Now, the one part of this that really kind of got on my... Well, I got on my nerves a bit of a stretch, but really that was like, wow, you're incorrect. Yeah. There was a, a tendency of people who were going like, well, and at least now the Leafs, you know, Morgan Riley's showing it's not a soft team, you know. Oh, boy. They're not going to bend over. They're they're going to, they'll get physical, you know. They'll they'll give you what for, right? Yeah. Um, And I draw the opposite conclusion. Really? I draw the complete opposite conclusion. If the only time you're going to throw a cheap shot is when the game is out of reach, when someone hurt your feelings... Then, then you're still a soft team. Yeah. And even so, like, one incident does not a tough team make. Sure. Right? As they say. Because these t- when you think about, like, the Bruins or the Panthers, what they're doing is they're, they're shoving and cross-checking, like, during the play itself, you know, yeah. in front of the net to actually try and win the game, right? And trying to kind of cut corners that way. That has nothing in common with what, what Morgan Riley did. Totally. Cross-check someone in the head once the game's already over. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I guess I'm kind of rambling quite a bit. So I think Leafs, still not a tough team. No. Morgan Riley, don't necessarily think of him as a tough guy. I think the cross-check to the to the head, obviously a cheap shot that, you know, deserves a, a suspension. Um, I also do agree that compared to the precedent of suspension, five games is too much. All right. Pretty, pretty spot Those on. Those are some thoughts. Pretty, pretty good thoughts. Pretty good thoughts. I gotta say. Um, yeah. On on Morgan Riley and the Leafs' toughness, I think. No, you're absolutely right. It's like you know, these, these aren't. There, no such thing as defining moments in that respect. 
you know, and this certainly wasn't a defining moment mm-hmm. in in determining your toughness as a team. Because also toughness is a very largely reputation based. Sure. The Leafs would really have to completely transform themselves for a prolonged period of time yeah. to shed their current reputation. And that's because they don't play a particularly physical brand of hockey. And it's because their top players don't. It's because right. none yeah. of Matthews, Marner, Nylander, or Tavares do. Whereas, like, on, like Marchand always has. Chara did. Matthew Kachuk does. Yeah. You know, like, top guys on their teams. It doesn't have to be every top guy, but some of the top guys yeah. set the tone. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, no, if you want to change that reputation, you need... Like I said, there's no reputation-defining moment like this that'll change it on a dime, right? Yeah. And, and you're delusional if you think so. Um, yeah. And people, it was, it was. I feel like maybe more so immediately, it was either to the camp of like, do you defend Morgan Riley or do you condone Morgan Riley? It was like one of those, and there was no great. And it was either like, like almost like people were jumping to either like, yeah, he should have uh, like gone after Ridley Gray, given him a little shove. I'm like, yeah, sure, that's fine. You know, okay, yeah. honestly, if he did nothing, then we would really be talking about the Leafs are soft narrative. You know, yeah. if he if they just let that happen, didn't yeah. didn't care. Sure. You know, um, and then a lot of people were carrying that towards, like I saw, like what Rachel Doria said. Honestly, was kind of like a rare instance of Rachel Doria saying something really stupid, where yeah. it was like everyone's talking about the Leafs being soft. It was like, sure, Morgan Riley shouldn't have let his stick got that high but I don't have a problem with what he did (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah that's not the take yeah it's not the take to have um yeah there's just there's just a line and he crossed it and yeah really Greg is not you know he did nothing wrong in the sense that there's you know he didn't do anything morally wrong or anything he was just an asshole and that's fine you know people are assholes but not in like a a mean way really he was just like a sports asshole, you know? Just yeah, which is, that's in. like the most fun way to be an asshole possible is a yeah. slap shot into an empty net. Absolutely. It's the most likable type of asshole. Should he have seen yeah. it coming? Maybe. Did you see there was a Sens fan who made that like their desktop picture? What was it? Ridley Gregg slap shot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, there was a really excellent <laughs> exchange of chirps. Uh, or at least fan was like, but for Sens fans, this is one of the top five moments in your franchise history. Yeah. <laughs> and the Sens, Sens fan replied, at least our top five moments are in color. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That was really so, good. That's some good banter. I, I know. That's some good banter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. That's good. Um, but yeah, that's, there you go. I, I don't have too much else to add. Um, yeah. You know, there's nuance, right? There's, yeah. no, it's never really black and white in this case. This, this situation included. Ridley Gregg's, he's making a name for himself. I think, honestly, just with that, he made himself millions on his next contract, whenever that is. Because sure, now he's a like, well-known pest. Now we know who he is. Kind of overnight. Yeah. Otherwise, I had really no, otherwise no opinion of Ridley Gregg, you know? Well, I knew he was having a, you know, solid rookie year and sure. stuff, but. Yeah. All tough. Anyways, um, yeah. I think Jake this Gens- is probably going to be a pretty long show, but I've got time. It happens. Um, Jay Gensel, injured. Yeah. Upper body injury, out for four weeks. What do we think? Uh, well, What's you know, trade value. I think well for one thing, obviously, this is a does not help the Penguins' playoff aspirations. But the Penguins are kind of and Gensel in particular are really becoming starting to become a big story. Um, the Penguins, by the way, claimed Matthew Phillips on waivers today. Okay. I don't know if he's up. from the Capitals. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Dubis loves his tiny guys. Woo-hoo. Five foot six. Or... I believe. I believe in Dubis. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Jake Gensel, honestly, I think this makes it more likely he gets traded. Because mm. he's scheduled now to come back from injury, not so much a- after the trade deadline. 
maybe like a week after, was it? Yeah, I think so. Thereabouts. Um, and now you probably also, this makes, means uh, the Penguins are more willing to sell if uh, they are, you know. Continue to stink. If they continue to stink yeah. without Gensel. And also, honestly, I think it lets other teams kind of be like, ooh, we're going to get a rested Gensel back. And they can start to dream a little bit about, ooh, think how good he's going to be, 40 goal score. And there's not the risk of, well, I guess if Jake Gensel continue to play, I assume he would continue playing well. But now at least you've removed the risk that, oh, maybe he goes in a slump and his value drops. That's not going to happen now. <laughs> I guess, in a sense. But also he's injured, you know, so you imagine that hurts his value. You know, who I knows don't. How healthy he is. It's, unless there's back. a reason to think he won't make a full recovery. Right. But, you know, these players that come back tend to come back a bit early. Stuff lingers. Maybe you can't integrate as well into the team. You know, you get way less lead-up time. Do you think some team tight team. to the cap now, this is more attractive because they're like, we can LTIR him to the playoffs? Maybe. <laughs> Going <Yeah>. to Toronto. <laughs> That's right. Anyways, so yeah, there, there's the intrigue. You wanted to bring up Phil Kessel. I did want to bring up Phil Kessel because he's training in Abbotsford now, Canucks farm team, and signs are pointing to Vancouver's going to sign him. Yeah. And I, you know, I was listening. I remember what it was, but they were... Uh, might have been the Steve Dangle podcast, actually. They were talking about Kessel and about how like, no one signed him. And he's like, he wants to play. But where is there a fit for him, especially on, like, a contending team? And he said, like, I don't care about my Ironman streak. We can end that. It's past 1,000 games now. Scratch me. It's okay. Because last year, remember, with Vegas, he played all 82 games. Yep. Played, like, a couple games in the playoffs, I think, then was scratched all the way to the finals. Yep. Stanley Cup champion. Hooray. Hell yeah. Um, but really, you're going his particular skill set in his prime, you know, top-line winger, great offensively, never so good defensively. Um, all of a sudden when you're starting to lose a step a little bit at age like 35, 36, uh, you're not as fast as you used to be. And, um, you know, it's like, well, what are you? You know, how do you benefit the team? Yeah. And I will say, Vancouver, this this only moves the needle in the vibes department. Absolutely. Talent-wise, um, nowhere else. nothing. Yeah. But it makes them more likable, I got to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't help but cheer for Phil Kessel. Yeah. What a good vibe. Absolutely. Vibey Phil Kessel. That's, well done. You're absolutely right. That's all I bring. All right. Think we have time for the quiz? To get in. Yeah, we absolutely have time for the quiz. Right. Um, and actually, there's one more interesting thing I wanted to bring up. Yeah. I don't know if you saw. Uh, 17 former and current Russian junior national team members signed a letter to mm. IIHF president Luke Tardif with the demand to consider the issue of returning the team to the world championships. Did you see this? I, I saw brief. I saw the headline. Yeah. Uh, so... Oh, I don't have the the quote, uh, but basically it was signed by, well, Matvey Mitchkov is the biggest name among them. Uh, Daniil Boot, Dmitry Simashev, those other high picks also. Ivan Demonov is going to be a high pick this year. Mikhail Gulyayev, okay. first rounder of the Avalanche. Yeah. A bunch of other players who've already been drafted. Basically, you know, they're drawing the comparison to Israel, which, you know, the IHF had a, they didn't even necessarily call it a ban. On Israel, but security they were like concerns. for security concerns. Yeah. Israel is not, pl- and then the NH- NHL, the one time they decide to get political, they step in and go, "This whatever." Uh, IHF bends over and lets Israel in. And this statement from the, the these Russian players essentially said, uh, "Like, were these security concerns resolved in an extremely short amount of time?" <laughs> um, I mean, you know, we don't have to spend too much. I think it's really cool though to see these players, you know, go in like it's fucking not fair you know sure yeah there's this obviously we don't have to talk too deeply about politics but it's kind of a general attempt to 
you know, especially when like the war in Ukraine started in 2022. Remember when people were like boycotting Russian cats and shit and like Russian music? And it's like, don't. you don't? That, I don't. I don't remember that. That, that, was, that never crossed my That was the thing. I remember there, there were people who were like, oh, I'm going to get a cat. Don't get a Russian cat. Fuck Russia. Right. And this this was of, of like, you know, trying to paint like like Putin and the Russian oligarchy in general and the same stroke as all of Russia. And that's right. that's how nationalism kind yeah. of operates. But I mean, obviously, when you look at the facts of the matter, obviously, like every single imperialist country, including Russia and the U.S. and like and Israel and Canada is is playing the same game. And the reason that the U.S. hates Russia so much is because they're opponents. Right. So, yeah, I'm I kind of hope this letter works. I don't. I have no idea what I'm expecting. Right. If, if Luke Tardif, honestly, I could based on at least the track record with like what how he handled the Israel situation, I could see him not really caring. I think he'll ignore it. If you had me guess, he'll yeah. just yeah. That's what I'm saying. Didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah, I could see him not caring. No response. Nothing. Yeah. Just... Even you know, I don't know if this is completely true. I think I saw even Finland for this like four nations cup next year was like if you involve Russia, we're not going. Really. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Well then, there you have it. Yeah. Yeah. So All much right. for keeping politics out of sports. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but imagine like being Matt Vimishkov, one of these guys. It's your dream to play in the World Juniors, and then because your own government, who which obviously you have no control over, yeah. launches a war, and now all of a sudden you're out. What? Sucks. That sucks. Deeply unfair. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Nothing he could have done. Right? Nothing he could have done. No fault of his own. Um, so yeah, you absolutely sympathize with his with his plight. Right. In that respect. All right, give me a quiz. All right, let's go. Um, one piece of news we didn't talk about, um, but happened this week, and I'm basing the Sean Couturier. Of, that's the one. I forgot, yeah, until you said that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a captain. Finally. Of the Flyers. Something I didn't know he wasn't already. Yeah, a lot of people were saying. Yeah. He already had that vibe. I was I was one of them, you know? I was like, oh, anyone you know? Yeah, they had, they had named someone new since Claude Giroux. That's right. And so we have a quiz on, on, on Flyers, captains, and leadership teams. Okay. I hope we're not going back too far in time. No. Try not to. Okay. With with a couple exceptions, but you know, I I didn't leave you out. Okay. To die. Okay. You know? Okay. okay. All right. Start pretty straightforward. Who is the current captain of the food? <laughs> Sean Couture is which number captain? Like, you know, in the oh, Like the how many captains captain? have yeah. there been of the franchise? I saw the number float around relatively frequently, so I thought this was like decently fair. And I'm, I'm, it's like a round number. It's not like... Okay, do I... It's not like 36. Do I get like plus or minus? Do I get a range I can work with? One. Okay, well... I'm pretty sure Nick Suzuki is Montreal's 30th, and they've been around for about twice as long. So I'll say... But they all... Philadelphia has like some pretty long-tenured ones. Like Bobby Clark, how long was he? Like 15 years or something. Giroux was a while. Chris Pronger, I don't think it was that long. I'll say 14. It's 20. Ooh. Number 20. Yeah. Did not see that at all. Interesting. I saw it in at least three headlines. I'm like, that's rare. Maybe I saw it in just... I so, didn't saw make... the other headlines. Anyways. Yeah, well, all right, I'm for okay. one. Okay. Right. <laughs> I saw the other headlines. <laughs> <laughs> for one. Okay. Which current NHL coach has been the c- captain of the Flyers? Which current NHL coach in the Capitol Flyers? Ooh. I'm trying to think if Brindamore was ever on the Flyers. 
That's the first name that came to mind. Yeah, oh, that's oh, oh, Rod Brindamore. No, the answer is Rick Tockett. I would have never gotten that. Okay, I'm 0 for 2. 0 for 2. That's tough. All right, name, th- let's say, yeah, name all four of the assistant captains from last year. Name all four of the assistant. Can I get one pre-question question? Yeah, go for it. I feel like this is fair to ask. Sure. Sean Couture was injured all last year. Did he still technically have an A? Yes, he did. So he's one of the four? He's one of the four. Okay. So Sean Couturier, that's one. Yeah. Um. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll spitball the names I'm thinking of. Okay, sure. Provorov might have had one. Okay. Kevin Hayes might have had one. Okay. Atkinson might have had one. Okay. Uh, Konechny might have had one. Okay. Um, oh, did Scott Scott Lawton maybe? That's like five names I'm thinking about. So, am I gonna give you all three, and you're gonna give me a yes or no? Sure. Or are we going through one at a time? We can go one at a time. Whatever you prefer. Is this either a pass? Is this a, a pass fail? Like I have to get all three? Yeah, kind of. Oh, come on, I can't just get two out of them and get the points. Okay, fine. You can get two. Okay. I'll be generous. Thank you. All right. Get two of the three. All right. So I'm going to guess one at a time. Yeah. Scott Lawton. Yes. Okay. Kevin Hayes. Yes. There nice. You go. Okay. Nice. You want to take a shot at the last one? Provorov? Yeah, it was Provorov. Hey, yeah, nice. got them all. Nice. All four for four. Okay. So we're one for three. And two of those guys are gone now. <laughs> That's right. Can you name the two assistant captains currently? All the right. The Philadelphia Flyers. Scott Lawton. Good. Makes sense that he would yeah. maintain that A. Sandheim. No. No? No. Who is it? Travis Konechny. Oh. He got the A. Is that new? Is that recent? This year. I feel like I... Maybe I just mixed up the Travises. Maybe. I guess. That I, seems, I, that seems I feel like I saw like... Oh, I feel like I just saw like Sandheim with an A. Yeah. I guess not. Oh, well. Tough. Oh, well. All right. Which Swede was the only European... To ever be the captain of the Philadelphia Flyers. Have I heard of this person? Yes. Sh- you're sure? It's not some fucking nobody. Okay, okay. You've definitely heard of this person. Well, I'm almost certain that the captain right before Giroux was Chris Pronger. And right before Chris Pronger, fucked if I know. Sure. Um, uh, well, it wasn't Nicholas Lidstrom. <laughs> Well, I wasn't. Oh, Forsberg. Nice. Thank you. Good snipe. Good snipe. Thank it you. Was trying to think. Yeah, the famous Swedes of the '90s. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay, I didn't know okay. he was ever the captain. There you go. A fifty-fifty question coming up. Okay. Over under, eight hundred games, for Claude Giroux as the captain of the Philadelphia Flyers. Ooh. Eight hundred games as captain. He was named captain, I want to say, like, well, when did Chris Pronger, around, like, 2012 he was named captain? Like, heading into the lockout year, maybe? Oh, that's around the time that feels like it makes sense to me. So, can I pull up my calculator, do 82 times stuff, so I don't have to... All right, thank you. I'm going to make you do mental math. Thank you, thank you. That would be, that would be terrible. Uh, all right, found my calculator. <laughs> <laughs> Start. <laughs> all right, so 
so if we're saying like the 13, 14 season, then we're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Uh, that's 492 plus 48 plus like about 70 in that COVID year um, plus 56 in that other COVID year uh, and I'm only at 666 right now and I think he was traded partway through the next season so even without injury at all and even if I'm like he actually started a year earlier than I thought we're not even at 800 yet so I'm saying under well done 611. Oh, that, that was that was a pretty generous thing. That was a pretty ungenerous one. I thought it was yeah. a bit too, you know, I didn't want to squeeze you too much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If I was making that question, I would have gone at least 700. Maybe like 670. I was feeling nice, you know? Yeah, or over under 600. <laughs> what that mean? You yeah. know? This, this, what are we at? Two mistakes right now? Yeah. Okay. How many questions is that? Um, One, two, three, four, five, six. So you got four for six. Okay, I got to go three for four then. Yeah, that's right. All right, here we go. True or false? Another 50% question. Okay. Daniel Briere has been a captain of the Flyers. False. Nice. Right on. Just wanted to double check in my head. Good. Okay. He's won the A before. Yeah. Quite sure. Right. Okay, name the one Swiss guy who has been part of a Flyers leadership group. Mark Streit. Right on. Thank you very much. Good stuff. All right. Got to get what? Did you think I was going to get that one? Um, I thought it was pretty likely, given the Swiss. Do you think I was going to have to think more than four seconds? Yeah, I did. It didn't come to me right away. I was like, oh, I've seen there was a, there was a Swiss guy recently. Yeah. It was like 2016, wasn't it? Around yeah, 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 right around there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. But he nailed it. Sure did. So he's got to get, what, one of the next two? That's right. I do. One of the next two. Okay. All right. Hmm. Here we go. You're picking the order? Maybe. Ah, <laughs> rude. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Besides Giroux and Provorov and, and the LTIR Voracek, there's one active player who has been part of uh, a leadership group for the Flyers and is no longer on the team. Mm. I'll give you a hint. Okay, thank you. Plays in the Western Conference. Okay. This is, a, this is the type of question I like. This stuff is fun. Okay. Who has been, who is active, has been part, besides Giroux, Provorov, and Voracek. Yeah. Okay. Been part of the leadership group. Yeah. In the Western Not Conference. necessarily part of the leadership group in the new team. The new team? That, what do you mean? That he's on now in the West. No, no. I okay. give no such guarantees. Okay, <laughs> I give no such guarantees. He may be. But okay, maybe. All right, well, let me think a bit about relatively recent Flyers leadership groups, alternates, alternates to Giroux. Um, hmm. Oh, oh, I already named him earlier in the quiz, Kevin Hayes. Is he, has he been? He's on the blue. Yeah, you told me he wore an A last year. Did I miss the shit? That was part of the previous answer to the oh question. Oh my god! I'm taking the points. You're taking. <laughs> Take the points. Let's see. Let me like. Let me pull up my list of flyers people. Yeah. What do you? What do you? Did you accidentally say yes to Kevin Hayes? Is that what happened? Uh, I think I might just like miss Kevin Hayes. Oh. Uh, flyers. Oh, there it is. Team captains of Philadelphia Flyers. 
Kevin Hayes. And Kevin Hayes is now where again? St. Louis. In the Blues. Okay, you're right. But there was another guy who I was hoping you'd get, you tried to go for. Okay. I can think a little harder if you want. Sure. But this is just extracurricular. It's extracurricular. You got the point. Pierre Belmar. That's the one. Very well done. So you would have got the Thank point either you. way. Nice. Yeah, somehow, somehow it came to me. I was going through teams. I thought yeah. Colorado. He's not even on Colorado anymore. Yeah. But Belmar, for some reason, well done. clicked. Okay. To win the quiz. No. Did you already win the quiz? You already won the quiz. I just won the quiz. All right. Here's the bonus question then. Okay. All right. Um, After my terrible start. Yeah. He's, he killed it. He rattled them off. What a <laughs> hot streak. Um, all right. Now as senior vice president of hockey operations of an Atlantic NHL team, th- who this guy was the captain of the Flyers from 1984 to 1990. 84 to 90? Yeah. My 80s Flyers knowledge is is slim. <laughs> as in, I can't name you a single player who was even on those all right. teams. Let me give you another hint. Former TS, T, former TSN analyst. Uh, now senior vice president of hockey ops for Atlantic Division NHL team. Okay, okay, wait. Some bells are being rung here in my head. Mm-hmm. Some bells are absolutely ringing. Um, going through uh, Detroit or... Is it Steve Steos? <laughs> no. I don't know. <laughs> the similarly recently hired guy. Okay. Who? Steve Steos was on the Oilers, no? I don't know. Anyways. Dave Poulet. Oh. Just hired. Wouldn't have. Three months ago. But would not enough. have gotten that one. <laughs> deep cut. Yeah, very deep. All right, well, I start with failure and end with failure, but overall it's a success. Got the seven in the row. Yeah. <laughs> in the middle. Yeah. All That's right. Exactly like Yarmo Kekalainen's tenure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he's the Yarmo of quizzes. How does I am he feel? the Yarmo of this quiz, uh, at least. Uh, well done. Well, you don't know. No, Yarmo failed. You won, so you got that. Yarmo also won a playoff round. Uh, well, you know, like you set the bar way too low for that guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, All right, that's it. That's our episode for this week. Let's pick a team. Oh, I want to pick right. another good and exciting one. That's meant to be. Fun. Though I don't know if anyone can live up to Dallas. <laughs> um. Hmm. Let me. Where's where's the list of teams? Where do I keep that nowadays? Honestly, I have no idea. Do we want... Have we watched the Blues this year? I think we have, actually. All right, here we go. We have not in two years now, almost. Coming up on two years. Okay, just just because they're on the hot streak now, they're like eight and two. Okay. Maybe. Allow me to pull up their schedule. So they have the... You want to watch Nashville again? No. <laughs> Nashville, Maple Leafs Islanders. That was your... That was your I don't want to watch Nashville. I just... I don't want to. Please, no. God, no. Uh, all right. Um, hmm. Have we done the Bruins this year? The Boston Bruins. Yes, but October. So early season. Who are, like, the best teams we haven't watched yet? This year? Yeah. Okay, let's see. So... Let me go through the, the divisions. So okay. We haven't watched Tampa Bay this year, this season. We're talking about season, yeah? Yeah, that could um, be a good one. Tampa Bay. We haven't watched Florida. That's a, that's a, that's a good team. That's a really good team. Florida? So, yeah, Florida. We haven't? No. Um, we watched them more, just a bit more than a year ago. I feel, oh, like, I feel we, like we've coincidentally seen a lot of Panthers games by other teams we've picked. Let me, let me see if I wrote the... I'm, this was like early January, so I might have just like written the year wrong. 
you know when that happens mm-hmm. uh let's see this week the flyers are average okay i guess we covered the flyers that week and not florida cool okay so we haven't covered the F- panthers in a bit um colorado we haven't covered in a couple years don't do kind of want to do tampa tampa mm. we just talked about kucherov for like we 10 did. minutes randomly sure with no plan and so now you want to watch him kind of yeah. what's their schedule Pull it up. Let's see. Oh, they're playing Florida. <laughs> That's nice. Florida, Ottawa, Washington. Okay. I like that, that mix. It's similar to the Dallas mix. It's great team, shit team, mid team. All right. Great team, great team, mid team. Okay, yeah. Resurgent playoff oh, team, future playoff team. Right, right, right. Mid team, you of know? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's the, 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 That falls within the correct scheduling. Tampa Bay week. Tampa Bay week. What the heck is up with them? Oh, did you post a poll? I didn't. Yeah, I didn't think so. My bad. I'll do it this week. Okay. Yeah. With all my great flowers. Yeah. All right, maybe maybe the extra week will let it marinate in people's minds and they'll give me the win. Right. All right. Well, anything else? As soon as they start second-guessing themselves, they'll vote for you. Mm-hmm. No, they'll second-guess themselves and realize, no, their first guess was right. It was me all along. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Yeah. You can follow us on Fusion and Hockey at Fusion and Hockey Podcast on Instagram. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, give us, leave us a review. Be very nice to us, et cetera, et cetera. Vote on the poll that I'll f- remember to post this week because I'll do it early this week. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. The end. <laughs>